What are you getting? Well, I'm getting a bounce, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lightness within it as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, just, honey, it's a very yeah. tricky color, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Terry and uh, I worship an unconventional deity, the power of another dimension. Now, you're not going to read about this dimension in a book or in a magazine or uh, in a newspaper uh, because it doesn't exist anywhere except in my own mind. Oh, people have been coming up to me and they've been saying, why, Jim? Why has, why has Britain left the EU? Why, Jim? I need to know these things. I'm scared. Scared. And um, I found a bureaucratic folly that I would say is one of probably hundreds of reasons why Britain left the EU. The bureaucracy, the insanity. Brexit. This is from 2011. <clears throat> EU bans claim that water can prevent dehydration. What? Brussels bureaucrats <laughs> were, were ridiculed yesterday. Is this a joke? Is this the onion? No, it's not. They were ridiculed. And this would have been in November 2011, after banning drink manufacturers from claiming that water can prevent dehydration. EU officials concluded that following a three-year investigation, there was no evidence to prove the previously undisputed fact. The fact. That water actually will hydrate you? <laughs> Producers of bottled water are now forbidden. Now, again, this is 2011 are forbidden by law from making the claim and will face a two-year jail sentence if they defy the edict, which comes into force in the UK next month. What? So this isn't a civil penalty. This is a criminal penalty. By claiming that water will hydrate you? That it prevents dehydration. Yes. Do doesn't it? Last night, critics claimed the EU was at odds with both science and common sense. Conservative MEP J Roger Helmer said, This is stupidity writ large. The euro is burning, the U EU is falling apart, and yet here they are. Highly paid, highly pensioned officials worrying about the obvious qualities of water and trying to deny us the right to say what is patently true. If ever there was an episode which demonstrates the folly of the great European project, then this is it. NHS health guidelines state clearly that drinking water helps avoid dehydration and that Britain should drink at least 1.2 liters per day. The Department of Health disputed the wisdom of the new law. A spokesman said, of course water hydrates. While we support the EU in preventing false claims about products, we need to exercise common sense as far as possible. German professors Dr. Andreas Hahn and Dr. Moritz Heikenmeier, who advise... Wow. Thank you. Who advise food manufacturers on how to advertise their products asked the European Commission if the claim could be made on labels. They complied when they assumed was an uncontroversial statement in order to test new laws, which allow products to claim they can reduce the risk of disease, subject to EU approval. 
They applied for the right to state that regular consumption of significant amounts of water can reduce the risk of development of dehydration, as well as preventing a decrease in performance. However, last February, the European Food Standards Authority refused to approve the statement. A meeting of 21 scientists in Parma, Italy, concluded that reduced water content in the body was a symptom of dehydration and not something that drinking water could subsequently control. <laughs> so it was a product of dehydration, but water's not the answer? Yeah. Now, now <laughs> I, think, I think the important part here, it says, a meeting of 21 scientists concluded that reduced water content in the body was a symptom of dehydration and not something that drinking water would subsequently control. So, again, that was 21 scientists who said this. Said, said this. Uh-huh. Well, they're clearly um, shills. Of what? The, uh, because the, the water bottling industry, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what else big would it water. be? Big water. No, 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 it can't be big water. Because then they would they would want it to say <clears throat> that it, it it hydrates. I don't know. Is this? Uh, it's like anti water. Yeah, this is big. <laughs> so I I would love it if they would go back in time, you know, a couple hundred years. Yeah, and tell all the people that like I know this is the EU, but you know, let's just tell everyone that came to America and discovered it. You're parched in the desert. Water's not your answer. Yeah. Really? If, what What else would you have? If this was the case, that cactus ev- milk. Everybody would be living in the Sahara Desert because. Or is this, um, a push to get like Gatorade? That That's my assumption. That uh, maybe uh, sports drinks or soda uh, drinks or even coffee, but. The thing is, it's the water in that that hydrate. Uh, <clears throat> so, bureaucratic folly, see? I guess. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, had his son, friend of mine's son, is in Spain at the moment uh, for like five weeks doing studies abroad. Of what? Uh, Spanish. Okay. He's in just, Barcelona. He's like, learning Spanish or something? Well, it, it, it's a uh, condensed class like during the summer that with the school he's going to and i think he'll get six credits out of it if he goes and completes the class there okay but today uh she told me that water is not freely given in a restaurant you buy it and it's more expensive than beer Ooh. so so i guess you're right i would suspect that that's and that's part of the eu <clears throat> <laughs> so, so mm. beer's cheaper, so we might as well just drink beer and get hammered because it's cheaper than water. Yeah, or there's soda, or there's Gatorade, or there's beer. beer. These are twenty-something-year-old kids. There's beer. wine. There's beer. Yeah, it's not Italy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know, but I thought that was kind of fascinating that you don't huh. like you can't go to a restaurant and you get water. That's not part of the game. You buy bottled water if you want water, or you buy beer, or you buy whatever. Wow. So, I, there you have it. Yeah. Um, thanks for the folly crap. Another insanity. <laughs> um, here's another thing that I don't quite get. Uh, several shows ago, you brought up the, was it in Switzerland or maybe Sweden? You have to correct me. 
Um, they have stopped doing uh, gender uh, transition operations. Um. No, uh, the uh, John Hopkins University did it, and there was a study in Sweden okay. that showed that um, people that were going through the quote-unquote process of transitioning from one sex to mm-hmm. another were 20 times more likely to kill themselves. So then, but then Sweden, did, did they stop doing the, the operations, the Not that that I know transition of. surgeries? Yeah, I don't. Not oh. that I know of okay. in Sweden. Okay. But it but the point was Sweden is a very open and affirming culture mm-hmm. of different alternative lifestyles. And in a very affirming uh culture, the uh, suicide rate is still two thousand percent higher than the average person. Okay. Well, it would appear that the United States military (laughs) is now going to be paying now that we've allowed the transgender genie out of the bottle people apparently to serve the Um, the transgender camels nose under the tent ending the ban on transgender americans in the united states military this is ash carter immediately transgender americans may serve openly and they can no longer be discharged or otherwise separated from the military just for being transgender. There are three main reasons having to do with our future force, our current force, and matters of principle. I was going to say in our past force, but that would not be correct. Matters of principle. The first and fundamental reason is that the Defense Department and the military need to avail ourselves of all talent possible in order to remain what we are now, the finest fighting force the world has ever known. Our mission is to defend this country. All talent. They need to avail themselves of all talent. Mm -hmm. So what is something that the military is good at? Killing people. Okay. So if you're a successful serial murderer... You'd be a great... That would be a, a great talent for the military to use take advantage of and we don't want barriers unrelated to a person's qualification to serve preventing us from recruiting or retaining the soldier sailor airman or marine who can best accomplish the mission that point twenty six percent of the population hold on though hold on though okay people he used marine yeah i heard that necessary medical treatment simply declaring oh hold on nope our mission is to defend this country and we don't want barriers unrelated to a person's qualification to serve, preventing us from recruiting or preventing... Wait a second. That's a barrier? Unrelated to their qualifications. Uh-huh. Okay. ...us from recruiting or retaining the soldier, sailor, airman, or marine who... How many marines do you think there are that are... Transgender? A different gender. You mean think they're a different yeah, gender? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Th- that would fall into this category. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you were, in, probably... you were in the Marines. Did you ever see a, a man who was an actual woman or a woman who was being a man? No. In and, the Marines? And typically, that wasn't a place that if you were highly Where you effeminate. you would survive. Yeah. Now, if... <clears throat> Could you be a really butch lady, though? Yeah. Needing to be a guy? Yeah. But again... Okay. Do I say it? 
I think um, there's probably a higher percentage. I'm sure there's a higher percentage of people that are transgender than there are women who could um, successfully uh, thrive in a special operations community meeting all of the standards that the men's that the men are held to. Yes, physically. <clears throat> I think there's probably more transgendered percentage wise than there are women that could do it. Okay. And best accomplish the mission. About twenty five hundred people out of approximately one point three million active duty service members. Whoa. Do that math. Twenty five mi- twenty five hundred. Do the math. What is so- it? <laughs> Out of a one point one, we'll just say a million. One point five, I think. Five million. Mm-hmm. So one hundred and fifty thousand is ten percent. Fifteen thousand is one percent. Fifteen hundred is one tenth of one percent. So about two tenths of one percent between one and two tenths of one percent. And if we don't have them, it's over. It's over. The Nazis will win. ISIS and about fifteen hundred out of approximately eight hundred and twenty-five thousand reserve service members are transgender. Right now, most of our transgender service members must go outside the military medical system. So think, so? Of, th- think about this though. It's the same percentage. Twenty five hundred in a million and a half, fifteen hundred in eight hundred thousand. <clears throat> yep. So whether it's active or reserve, same percentage. And this is uh, a study done by the RAND think tank corporation <clears throat> yeah um and they it, it's a it's a guess a straight up guess but for them to guess that there's what use it two tenths of a percent yeah of of one percent so what that is point zero one or is that point two of a percent it would be point two okay point two percent good idea in order to obtain medical care that is judged by doctors to be necessary now i have a question how much does it cost to quote unquote transition? Hundred thousand, you figure? I think we're gonna get there. Okay. They have to pay for it out of their own pocket. No. This is inconsistent with our promise to all our troops <gasps> that we will take care of them and pay for necessary medical treatment. What? Necessary <laughs> Necessary you're missing a lung or, or a kidney. That might be necessary. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, the military open to transgender individuals does not constitute effective implementation. We have work to do, and we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it together. <clears throat> so they have work to do. They're going to implement this. All right. Tax dollars will go to funding gender transition surgery the same way that our tax dollars go to letting military personnel go to college for free. The Defense Department already consumes about uh, $602 billion annually. That is about 16% of the nation's spending. In 2015, the military's annual health care budget was $47.8 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Okay. Um, Aaron Belkin of San Francisco State University told Reuters 
Uh, gender transition operations will cost the military approximately, guess, annually, how much? $10 million. Ooh, $5.6 million. $5.6 million. <clears throat> Our tax so dollars. So about 200000 a person. Well, no, four, that, that 400000 Yeah, okay. Our tax dollars will 000. not just go to the actual medical procedures. <clears throat> it will also go towards all the medical training needed medical, needed to perform gender transition treatment. So they're going to have to learn their doctors how to do it, apparently. According to the Military Times, quote, under the policy, the services can continue to reject prospective recruits who have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Diag whoa, 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 whoa. <clears throat> diagnosed. Feeling that one's biological gender is the opposite of the one he or she identifies with emotionally and psychologically. Unless a doctor certifies the individual has been treated and, quote, stable for at least 18 months and does not suffer from any significant distress or other impairment. Now, you say Sweden, they did a test or a, a study in Sweden, John Hopkins did, and 20%. 20 times. 20, 20x. Yeah. Suicide rate. 200 or 2,000 percent. Not suicide. 20, yeah. Greater risk of suicide. So right now, 20 veterans kill themselves every day. Every day. So that's going to go up. Well, well, in that community, there's potentially. There's 4,000, I mean, so. Well. <clears throat> so that's like a year. It's less than a year. Anyways, um, uh, no, it's not. Anyways. After they have legally transitioned to their new gender, transgen transgender people will be able to, quote, use the bathrooms, housing, uniforms, and fitness standards of their preferred gender. Now, um, the fitness standards, that means if guys transition to girls, they get to get away with doing much less, right? Yeah, but I would think um, going through that just so that you'd have a better chance of passing the PFT, I I think I would prefer to just get out or maybe work out more. Put well, the donut you might. down. <laughs> you might. <clears throat> um, they said uh, people that have been diagnosed... Um, you don't get diagnosed with having a healthy self-esteem <laughs> or diagnosed because you have a good work ethic or diagnosed that you're more intelligent than the average person. You're diagnosed when there's something wrong with you. So people are coming into the military with something wrong with them. But if they've been treated and the dog for 18 months symptom free, they're fine. Which I would think if you've been treated and you've 18 months symptom free, you're no longer thinking you're another gender. Right? Sure. Okay, good. <clears throat> uh, on that note, what is the last high, well, okay, the only, as far as I know, um, military personnel that has been allowed transition and got, it got paid for by the feds, by the military? I don't think any has mm. yet. Or am I wrong? Um... I mean, they're just starting it, aren't they? Uh, the, oh, Brandon, what? But Bradley, that, Bradley, Manning. Brad, yeah, but I don't know if the military did it. Didn't the the did, prison didn't the did the prison it? system do yeah, it? Yeah, I think the prison system did it. Yeah, he tried to kill himself after the Chelsea verdict. Manning. Yeah, the no, 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 that's not his name. I'm, I'm reading. I'm quoting an article okay. from the Independent. Okay, in Europe, Chelsea Manning. No, nope, nope, that's not his name. <laughs> 
<laughs> the military whistleblower serving a 35-year sentence was rushed to the hospital after reportedly trying to take his life, her own life. His life? His life, yes. Okay. A U.S. media report said that Manning, who um, was being held at an in a cell at the U.S. military disciplinary barracks at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, was taken to a hospital early on Tuesday morning. This is like two days ago. CNN said that it was believed that the 28-year-old had tried to kill herself. Himself. Himself. There was no immediate independent confirmation of this. A spokesman for the U.S. military told the independent he was waiting for an approved statement before being able to comment. The Washington Post reported that the military said Manning had since been returned to his, her, her cell. His cell? Z cell, uh, but provided no other details. Manning's lawyer, Nancy Hollander, said in a statement that she was shocked and outraged that an official at Fort Leavenworth provided confidential medical information about Manning to the media, but had not shared anything with her team. She said she had been due to speak with her client at 2 p.m. on Monday, but was told she could not be connected. Quote, despite the fact that they have reached out to the media and that any other prison will connect an emergency call, the Army was, has told her lawyers, I assume his lawyers, uh, that the earliest time that they will accommodate a call between her lawyers, his lawyers, and Chelsea, or Bradley, is Friday morning, tomorrow. We call on the Army to immediately connect Chelsea Manning to the, to the her, his, him, her, it, Lawyers and friends who care deeply about his, her, it thing, well-being, and are profoundly distressed by the complete lack of official communication about Chelsea's current situation. No, I'm, I mean, I feel, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for him because obviously he's struggling with mental illness. He's been encouraged to struggle this way. And then, I mean, the whole situation with, um, you know, the reason he's in prison in the first place. Manning was sentenced in August 2013 to 35 years imprisonment with the possibility of parole on the eighth year after being convicted of leaking classified materials to WikiLeaks. Manning, who was born Bradley Manning, said in a statement after the sentencing that she had felt female since childhood and wanted to be known as Chelsea. Quote, as I transition into this next phase of my life, I want everyone to know the real me. So, is it possible going to prison, not good to be with a bunch of guys, I'd rather be a woman. I need people to know the real me. Well, he was gay. I mean, he is gay. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Well, he was. So, um, Quote, uh, I am Chelsea Manning. I am a female. Given the way that I feel and have felt since childhood, I want to be... I want to begin hormone therapy as soon as possible. I hope that you will support me in this transition. Mm. Last year, in a legal first, the U.S. Army granted hormone therapy to transition while serving her his sentence. So, the U.S. Army granted it. Which that is that the funds for Army? Military uh, it imprisonment. Must be. It must be. It's got to come out of that budget. Yeah. Well, Leavenworth is a military yeah. prison, so yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> that ha two days ago, that report out to the Independent. Mm hmm. So mi millions, millions of dollars is going to be paid out now to point two percent. 
of so, the potential military. I mean, service I, I'm members. not I'm not outraged at the people that are struggling with this. I'm outraged at um, just the insanity from the administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just this is saying black is white and white is black. You heard of Gren, Gren, Glenn Greenwald? Yeah. He was the guy who supposedly was the connection with Snowden. Like he was the one that was Isn't he uh, dead? interviewing Greenwald. Oh, no, no, oh. no. Oh. Um, he has a website called The Intercept, or he writes for that or whatever. Headline, Washington has been obsessed with punishing secrecy violations until Hillary Clinton. Ooh, boop, boop. Now, I don't know if I think Glenn's kind of a, a hack, but okay. Secrecy is a virtual religion in Washington, he says. Those who violate its dogma have been punished in the harshest and most excessive manner, at least when they possess little political power or influence. As has been widely noted, the Obama administration has prosecuted more leakers under the 1917 Espionage Act than all prior administrations combined. Secrecy in D.C. is so revered that even the most banal documents are reflexively marked classified. That's true. Making their disclosure or mishandling a felony. As former CIA and NSA Director Michael Hayden said back in 2000, quote, everything's secret. I mean, I got an email saying Merry Christmas. It carried a top secret NSA classification marking. (laughs) Really? That's a supposed quote from him. People who leaked the media Leak to media outlets for the selfless purpose of informing the public. Daniel Ellsberg, Tom Drake, Chelsea Manning, Bradley Manning, uh, Edward Snowden face decades in prison. Those who leak for more ignoble and self-serving ends, such as enabling hagiography. What? Leon Panetta, David Petraeus. A hagiography. It's a biography that is nothing but praise. Or ingratiating oneself to one's mistress, Petraeus, face career destruction, though they are usually spared if they are sufficiently important in D.C. For low-level, powerless nobodies in D.C., even the mere mishandling of classified information without any intent to leak but merely to say work from home has resulted in criminal prosecution, career destruction, and the permanent loss of security clearance. This extreme, unforgiving, unreasonable, excessive posture toward classified information came to an instant halt er, in Washington today, just in time to save Hillary Clinton's presidential aspirations. FBI Director James Comey, an Obama appointee who served in the Bush DOJ, held a press conference earlier this afternoon, this was yesterday, I believe, or Tuesday, uh, in which he condemned Clinton on the ground that she and her colleagues were, quote, extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information, and quote, including top secret material. Comey also detailed that her public, her key public statements defending her conduct, i.e. that she never sent classified information over her personal email account and had turned over all, quote, work-related emails to the State Department, were utterly false insisted, quote, that any reasonable person in Secretary Clinton's position should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation, and argued that she endangered national security because of the possibility that, quote, hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. 
Comey also noted that others who have done what Clinton did are often subject to scrutiny or to security or administrative sanctions, such as demotion, career harm, or loss of security clearance. Despite all of these highly incriminating findings, Comey explained, the FBI is recommending that the Justice Department... I'll let her go. ...that Clinton not be charged with any crime. Quote, Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, he said, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. To yeah, justify, not, not if they want to end up with a bullet in their head. Or two. Or two. To justify this claim, Comey cited, quote, the context of a person's actions and her, quote, intent. In other words, there is evidence that she did exactly what the criminal law prohibits, but it was more negligent and careless than malicious and deliberate. Looked at in isolation, I have no particular objection to this decision. In fact, I agree with it. I don't think that Clinton did rise to the level of level. I don't think what Clinton did rose to the level of criminality. And if I were the Justice Department, I would not want to see her prosecuted for it. I do think there was malignant intent. Using a personal email account and installing a home server always seemed to be designed, and le- at least in part, to control her communications malignant and hide them. Malignant intent? Yeah. And hide them from uh, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, and similar disclosure obligations. As the New York Times noted in May about a highly incriminating report from the State Department's own Auditor General, quote, emails disclosed in the report made it clear that she worried that personal emails could be publicly released under the Freedom of Information Act. Moreover, Comey found that contrary to her repeated statements, the FBI also... Um discovered several thousand work-related emails that were not in the group of 30,000 that were returned to Secretary Clinton in to by Secretary Clinton to the state in 2014. The Inspector General's report similarly in the words of the New York Times undermined some of Mrs. Clinton's previous statement undermined previous previous statements defending her use of the server. Still charging someone with a felony requires more than lying or unethical motives. It should require a clear intent to break the law along with substantial intended harm, none of which is sufficiently present here. That's probably true. It's just uber, uber coincidental. Part of the mess is, <laughs> so, 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 um, we're not going to charge her or anything, okay? <laughs> right, or, right, no, right? She, she's getting off, okay? <laughs> I have children. Help me. Yes. This uh, put there together. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. I thought it would be easier to carry just one device for my work and for my personal emails instead of two. Secretary Clinton used several different servers and administrators of those servers during her four years at the State Department. She also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email 
on that personal domain. We went through a thorough process to identify all of my work-related emails and deliver them to the State Department and provided all my emails that could possibly be work-related. The FBI also discovered several thousand work-related emails that were not among the group of 30,000 emails returned by Secretary Clinton. I did not email any uh, classified material to anyone on my email. 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information. It had numerous safeguards. Uh, it was on property guarded by the Secret Service and there were no security breaches. We do assess that hostile actors gained access to the private commercial email accounts of people with whom Secretary Clinton was in regular contact from her personal account. Did you or any of your aides delete any government-related emails from your personal account to uh, uh, conduct the thorough investigation thorough. was to err on the thorough. side of providing anything uh, that could be possibly uh, you say thorough I say shut they up or I'll kill all you emails they did not produce to state and the lawyers then clean their devices in such a way as to preclude complete forensic recovery do you think it posed a national security problem I don't think it posed a national security problem she also used her personal email extensively while outside the United States including sending and receiving work-related emails in the territory of sophisticated adversaries. Huh. There you go. That's the Democratic nominee right there. Huh. And this, <clears throat> this is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com We, uh, this June, July, 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 July 7, 2016. Crazy. Episode two. Two? Three? 22. I think 22. Oh, my goodness. Uh, weird. But justice apparently is dead.
Show. Woo! Wake right up. DavidAllenShow.com on Facebook at David Allen Show. On Instagram at David Allen Show. Uh, David Allen Show at gmail.com if you're interested in sending us a note, sending us money, whatever. Money. You know, send cash. Gold. <laughs> we know people want to send water and blankets. <laughs> just send your cash. Yeah, don't just send Don't send cash. us blankets. No. Yeah. <laughs> just your cash. Uh, we're I'm gonna continue on with the Hillary nonsense. Um, I will reiterate because it's a fact. Nothing I sent or received fact. was marked classified. Now, what happens One. when you ask or when you are asked to make information public is that it's reviewed and different agencies come in with their opinions. As you know, just recently, Colin Powell's emails. Uh, were retroactively classified from more than 10 years ago. Right. As so? he said, that was an absurdity. I could not agree more. So your contention now is the 2101 emails contained information that should be classified at any time. That should be now or then. You're just saying it's not, it, wasn't, it shouldn't have been classified. Well, what I'm saying is it wasn't at the time. Well, and that actually was refuted by the Kumi. James Comey, James Comey, who said at the time they were actually sent as marked or they had classified content in them. Uh, I did spend a couple hours today uh, during normal work that I do uh, with the C-SPAN up mm. on my one of my screens uh-huh. listening to the somewhat fascinating uh, grilling of... James Comey, uh-huh. the FBI director. Yeah. Um, it kind of intrigued me that everybody, if you had a D by your name, he was the best thing ever. He did uh-huh. a great job, and we're so glad you did this with integrity. You rock. Good work. I can't believe my friends on the other side of the aisle are making this political. <laughs> if you had an R in front of your name, or at the end, whatever, um, they they were systematically going through facts 
you had a fact pattern, which apparently was your lawyer. You build that fact pattern. You laid this out, and then you said, all these things were done wrong and broken. These laws are broken, but no reasonable prosecutor would do it. Uh, Trey Gowdy oh, had an yeah. interesting little back and forth. Mr. Gowdy for five minutes. Good morning, Director Comey. <clears throat> uh, Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? This is uh, his whole time, and I, I think it's worth uh, parsing here. <laughs> Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true. <laughs> That's right. I think uh, Trey Gowdy would be a nightmare to have on the other side. Of the oh, page. my goodness. I mean, have you? I go on YouTube sometimes and just listen to him. Oh, wow. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm looking for a little shorter answer, so you and I are not here quite as long. <laughs> Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails, either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. Secretary Clinton said, I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? No, there was classified material emailed. <laughs> nope. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? Uh, no. She used multiple nope. devices during <laughs> yeah, the no. four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. Lie. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails will return to the State Department. Was that true? Ooh, ooh I know. No, we found work-related emails, nope. thousands no. <laughs> that were not returned. Secretary Clinton said... He said thousands of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. ...said neither she nor anyone else deleted work-related emails from her personal account. Was that true? That's a harder one to answer. Uh, we found traces of work-related emails... Uh, in on devices or in Slack space, whether they were deleted or whether when a server was changed out, something happened to them. There's no doubt that there were work-related emails that were removed electronically from the, the email system. So then, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Clearly. Secretary Clinton said her lawyers read every one of the emails and were overly inclusive. Did her lawyers read the email content individually? No. Now that's interesting because later on in the day, at the end of at the end of Comey's time, mm -hmm. which is probably three four hours almost, J Chaffetz is the chairman of this yep. committee, and he took some extra time at the end, and he went on to dig into that idea that her lawyer she gave her lawyers who had no security clearance from what he was saying. <laughs> access to go through all these emails to see what's work-related or what's not. Uh -huh. They claim that they only looked at the header and used search terms, like searching for work-related terms. They didn't read all the emails. Really? Well, in the interest get our of time, money back. and because I have a plane to catch tomorrow <clears throat> afternoon, I'm not going to go through any more of the false statements, but I am going to ask you to put on your old hat. Now, the prosecutor. False exculpatory statements. They are used for what? Well, either for this, a substantive <laughs> prosecution or for evidence of intent in a criminal prosecution. <laughs> exactly. Intent and consciousness of guilt, right? Is that right? Right. Con consciousness of guilt and intent. Uh, in your old job, you would prove intent, as you just referenced, um, by showing the jury evidence of a complex scheme that was designed for the very purpose of concealing the public record. And you would be arguing, in addition to concealment, the destruction that you and I just talked about, or certainly the failure 
to preserve. You would argue all of that under the heading of content. You would also intent. You would also be arguing the pervasiveness of the scheme when it started, when it ended, and the number of emails, whether they were originally classified or upclassified. You, you would argue all of that under, under under the heading of intent. You would also probably, under common scheme or plan, argue the burn bags of daily calendar entries or the missing daily calendar entries as a common scheme or plan to conceal. Two days ago, uh, Director, you said a reasonable person in her position should have known a private email was no place to send and receive classified information. She should have and known. You're right. An average person does know not to do that. Uh, this is no average person. This is a former First Lady, a former United States Senator, and a former Secretary of State that the President now contends is the most competent, qualified person to be President since <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> he didn't say that, that alone. Late, but he says it now. That's insane. The most qualified and competent person since Jefferson. Who was before Jefferson? Or who's Adams? after Jefferson? <laughs> Adams and Adams? Mm, clearly unqualified. <laughs> Not nearly as qualified as, as Hillary. She affirmatively rejected efforts to give her a state.gov account. She kept these private emails for almost two years and only turned them over to Congress because we found out she had a private email account. So you have a rogue email system set up before she took the oath of office. Thousands of what we now know to be classified emails, some of which were classified at the time. One of her more frequent email comrades was, in fact, hacked, and you don't know whether or not she was. And this scheme took place over a long period of time and resulted in the destruction of public records. And yet you say there is insufficient evidence of intent. You say she was extremely careless, but not intentionally so. Uh, you and I both know intent is really difficult to prove. Very rarely do defendants announce, on this date, I intend to break this <laughs> criminal code section. Just to put everyone on notice, I am going to break, break the, the law, law on this date. It never happens that way. You have to do it with circumstantial evidence. Or if you're Congress and you realize how difficult it is to prove specific intent, you will formulate a statute that allows doesn't require for intent. gross negligence. Uh, my time is out, but this is really important. You mentioned there's no precedent for criminal prosecution. My fear is there still isn't. There's nothing to keep a future Secretary of State or President from this exact same email scheme or their staff. And my real fear is this. It's what the Chairman touched upon. This double-track justice system that is rightly or wrongly perceived in this country. That if you are a private in the Army and you email yourself classified information, you will be kicked out. Mm -hmm. But if you are Hillary Clinton and you seek a promotion to Commander-in-Chief, you will not be. So what I hope you can do today is help the average person, the reasonable person you made reference to, the reasonable person understand why she appears to be treated differently than the rest of us would be. But, Mr. Gowdy, I don't want to die mysteriously. <laughs> Can't you? Let's talk about this later. <laughs> right. There is um, an interesting idea that I heard someone pose that it's possible that 
Comey um, did everybody a favor by not suggesting or recommending prosecution. If you believe that Trump is going to win um, pretty, you know, by a landslide, the Mm -hmm. presidency, Mm -hmm. then by him doing that, he left open, wide open, the possibility of Trump or someone going back and saying, you know what? We need to relook at this. You know, because that's true. Because this does not mean that she's off. There's it's just, no jeopardy here. They're just, yeah, right. they're just not prosecuting mm-hmm. her right now. Right. So it's possible that this was an absolutely brilliant move on Ooh. his part. Because there's a lot of talk that Trump and the FBI are pretty close. Because mm. he gave them an absolute pass on the Orlando shooting. Said they did a good job. You know, they had some. They couldn't control some things, but they did a great job. They're good guys. Where it turns out that it's likely that... The cops shot up most of those people. But it wasn't the FBI that shot them, as far as we know. Well, right. <laughs> the FBI is the one that has looked had looked the other way about that guy, Omar. <sighs> wow. I don't know. <clears throat> I was really d- irritated and distraught <clears throat> with our system uh, until that idea came I wasn't. Out. I was like, well, well, of course this of, is going to happen. It's par for the course, yeah. unfortunately. But for all of the quote-unquote Republicans to come out and, you know, prior to this, oh, Comey's the best guy for this. He's the one. I mean, he's the guy. He's going to do this. It's, I mean, he knows exactly. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of his word. He's authentic. He's real. He does all that stuff. Then to come out and he claims like emphatically that there was no collusion. He, there was no talk. With the White House, with Justice Department, nobody knew he was going to come out and have a press conference that day. No one. He made that very clear. He wanted to restate that at the hearing today. There's no way. I want to make it clear. <laughs> oh, she's listening to me. I did not have signal. No, that's not it. He had <laughs> it no. Depends upon what. <laughs> what what is, is mean? What is mean? Made it very clear that he had no. There was no one in there. No outside influence on the decision. But he also made it clear that they didn't take into account Hillary's public statements on the matter. Like her lies and her, you know, droning on and really laying out a whole facts that she calls them that are clearly untrue. uh, The other thing that they didn't do is they didn't um, swear her in. So the no FBI, perjury. correct, right. So right. She, if she lies, she's not under not, oath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they didn't, uh, they didn't videotape her auto. Uh, uh, <laughs> that would have been a fun, fun interview. <clears throat> yeah. So no one knows they, if they actually talked to her, right? Like, there's no evidence that they actually interviewed her, other than, other they, than said they said that, that. Yeah. Which you know how that goes. I wonder if she sat down, and then out of her satchel took pictures of each of the FBI's agents' children. And put them on the table and slid them toward them and said, oh. "Okay, I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to talk. Yeah. I'm ready to talk." Oh, Susie's teacher is so nice. Mm. We really like her. <clears throat> oh, oh, yes, that's right. Little Johnny goes to St. William's School, right? Have you seen the statistics yeah. of children going missing? <laughs> They've been going up. <clears throat> yes. 
In other news, Trump has been fundraising like mad. Like a crazy person? I think so, yeah. Cool. Donald Trump, these are the Washington Post reported that Donald Trump raised more than $26 million for his campaign and another $25 million in conjunction with the Republican National Committee in June. A hefty haul, his campaign hopes, will put to rest anxieties in the party about his fundraising prowess. The combined $51 million falls short of the $68.5 million the Democratic contender Hillary Clinton Killer, I meant Hillary Clinton, and the Democratic Party collected in June. The reason they collected that much money is because they sat on the floor like babies. Well, it worked. And they got, got all their money, which included $40.5 million that she raised directly for her campaign. But it was the biggest monthly take by far for the presumptive GOP presidential nominee. They don't call her the presumptive nominee. They call her a Democratic contender. I guess because Bernie is still technically in the race. Yeah. Although I've I've been waiting. Um he more than likely he's done now was waiting for the this second shoe to drop of the FBI not condemning her and going after her. So now that's cleared up and done. So now he can get out and back her, bring all his people to the table. Well, I don't know if I mean to me that seems like uh Ron Paul coming out of the uh the last election. And then telling everybody to vote for Romney. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who would yeah. vote for Ron or Ron Paul would not vote for Romney. I don't think there's any way in the world that the Bernie people don't vote for Hillary. I just don't see how they they. I don't know how that doesn't work because the Democrats have got to be number one. They have to be first at everything. And that means they have, this is the closest they've ever been to putting a woman in the White House. And they will do whatever it takes by hook or by crook, Ed Hillary. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to be the first to put a woman in the White House. You know, they had to eliminate Carly Fiorina. Like they had to make her horrible and get her out of the race early because you can't have a Republican put a woman up because. Clearly, women. Sarah Palin. Well, that did yeah. not, nah, hmm. she's not really a woman. No, she's a robot. Yeah. Well, Clinton's, well, Clinton's well, a lizard. So, well, Ben Carson, he's a uh, Uncle Tom. He's not black. He's right. Uncle well, Tom. but see, but see, they are. But, but the Democrats already won that one when Clinton got in. He was the first black guy, and then Barry was the token black guy to actually to look like it. Um, and, but now they need a woman, and they will do whatever it takes. Obviously, they will wa- whitewash crimes that you or I could not get away with. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Hillary is not going to win. I'm not saying that. But if Hillary does win, I don't. I don't. You you can't tell me that this ex- this uh, experiment in democracy isn't over. If she wins. Okay. I I just, I have a hard time. You, mean you think it's going to go on, it'll be fine? No, no, I don't think it'll be fine. I think it'll just accelerate. Because if that many people would vote for her. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I'm not talking, I'm not talking just because she's Democrat. But she is such a, a but because vile. because she's a crook? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, she's crooked? Yeah. Now, if if people are going to do that, <clears throat> then they they don't they might say they care, mm-hmm. 
about people and principles and values, but they actually don't. They value uh, power over everything else. And if the majority of the United States votes for her, then they're um, either so ill-informed that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't vote, or they're so evil they shouldn't vote. In my opinion, the director of national intelligence, James Clapper. Ooh. The clap on, clap on. The honorable James Clapper uh, received a letter yesterday from the Speaker of the House. Oh. Paul Ryan. Good. <laughs> Today, dear Director Clapper, it says, Today I am writing to formally request that you refrain from providing any classified information to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton oh, yeah. for the duration of her candidacy for president. This request is based on findings announced by FBI Director James Comey at a press conference on Tuesday, July 5. As you know, the FBI's investigation of Secretary Clinton's unauthorized personal email found substantial evidence that, Hillary, that Secretary Clinton and her staff were, quote, extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive and highly classified information. In addition, Director Comey's findings directly contradicted previous statements made by Secretary Clinton that she did not send or receive classified information. Quote, even if information is not marked classified in an email, Comey stated, participants who know or should know that the subject matter is classified are still obligated to protect it. End quote. It is clear that Secretary Clinton, when serving as our nation's chief diplomat, failed to meet this obligation. As a former vice presidential nominee, I am keenly aware that Secretary Clinton is set to begin receiving classified intelligence briefings after the Democratic National Convention. However, while declining to recommend charges, Director Comey stated that, quote, This is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, these individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions. Given the FBI's findings, denying Secretary Clinton access to classified information certainly constitutes appropriate sanctions. There is no legal requirement for you to provide Secretary Clinton with classified information, and it would send the wrong signal to all of those charged with safeguarding our nation's secrets if you choose to provide her access to this information despite the FBI's findings. I firmly believe this is necessary to reassure the public that our nation's secrets are secure. <laughs> Should you choose to reject this request, I ask that you provide your rationale for granting Secretary Clinton access to classified information despite the FBI's findings. Thank you for your prompt attention to this letter and for the work that the intelligence professionals you lead do each day to keep Americans safe. Paul Ryan. So, <clears throat> I'll reiterate. I I don't like Paul Ryan either because I think he's a he's a shill. Yeah. Mhm. Mm if I could I could definitely respect somebody who um I might disagree with her politics, but I could definitely respect somebody who votes for Bernie Sanders because on of principle, principle. Mm -hmm. on principle. Sure. I can never respect somebody who's going to vote for Hillary Clinton because she's a, such a vile person. <clears throat> yeah. That was, that was funny, though. Yeah. I mean, it was political, <clears throat> obviously. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's scientific news today. Uh, the sciencealert.com. Are these the same scientists that uh, 
came to the conclusion that water um, doesn't hydrate people? Uh, I, I can't. Because those were scientists too. That. Okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> a bug in fMRI software could invalidate 15 years of brain research. What? There could be a very serious problem with the past 15 years of research into human brain activity. With oh, a new they study. Got, oh, it it messed up, or they got the wrong information, suggesting that huh. a bug in fMRI software could invalidate the results of some 40,000 papers. That's massive because functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, is one of the best tools we have to measure brain activity. And if it's flawed, it means all those conclusions about what our brains look like Way. during things like exercise, gaming, love, and drug addiction are wrong. Quote, I don't... Okay, go ahead. Despite the popularity of fMRI as a tool for studying brain function, the statistic... The, the statistical methods used have rarely been validated using real data. Researchers led by Anders Eklund from Linköping University in Sweden assert, The main problem here is how scientists use fMRI scans to find sparks of activity in certain regions of the brain. During an experiment, a participant will be asked to perform a certain task. While a massive magnetic field pulsates through their body, picking up tiny changes in the blood flow of the brain. These tiny changes can signal to scientists that certain regions of the brain have suddenly kicked into gear, such as the insular cortex region during gaming, which has been linked to higher cognitive functions such as language processing, empathy, and compassion. Have getting high on mushrooms while connected to an fMRI machine has shown evidence of cross-brain activity, new and heightened connections across sections that wouldn't normally communicate with each other. It's it's fascinating stuff, but the fact is that when scientists are interpreting data from an fMRI machine, they're not looking at the actual brain. As Richard Churgwin reports to the Register, what they're looking at is an image of the brain divided into tiny voxels and then interpret, interpreted by a computer program. Software rather than humans scans the voxels looking for clusters, says Churgwin. When you see a claim that scientists know when you're about to move an arm, these images prove it. They're interpreting what they're told by the statistical software. To test how good this software actually is, Eklund and his team gathered resting state fMRI data from 499 healthy people sourced from databases around the world, split them into groups of 20, and measured them against each other to get 3 million random comparisons. They tested the three most popular fMRI software packages for fMRI analysis. And while they shouldn't have found much difference across the groups, the software resulted in false positive rates of up to 70%. Oh my goodness. And that's a problem because as Kate Lunau of, at Motherboard okay, points out, not only did the team expect to see an average false positive rate of just 5%, it also suggests that some results were so inaccurate they could be indicating brain activity where there was none. Quote, these results question the validity of some 40,000 fMRI studies and may have a large impact on the interpretation of neuroimaging results. But the, yeah, it's fine. <clears throat> the, this is the only the question I have about it, <clears throat> is that if uh, somebody... Um, if for some reason, uh, during the measurement of uh, whatever, it could be anything uh, like uh, uh, 
the measurement of lots mm-hmm. or whatever, if they were using um, a certain type of formula to do it, to determine like the distance of things, and they were using a flawed ruler, but they used the same ruler every single time, the the answers that they would get might be wrong, but you could extrapolate what the correct answer is when you figure out where the flaw was in mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 reference. Right, but here's where we keep going. The bad news here is that one of the bugs the team identified has been in the system for the past 15 years, which explains why so many papers could now be affected. The bug was corrected in May 2015. At the time, the researchers started writing up their papers, but the fact that it remained undetected for over a decade shows just how easy it was for something like this to happen because researchers just haven't had reliable methods for validating the results. Since fMRI machines became available in the early 90s, neuroscientists and psychologists have been faced with a whole lot of challenges when it comes to validating their results. One of the biggest obstacles has been the astronomical cost of using these machines, around $600 an hour, which means studies have been limited to very small sample sizes of up to 30 or so participants, and very few organizations have the funds to run repeat experiments to see if they can replicate the results. Huh. Yeah. But I, I'm surprised. Science! I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised though that a bug like that, it, I mean, if it was just completely it was just, it was random. just a little earwig, it's fine. But if I mean, if it was just completely random, uh, I could I could see it. But you would think after that many studies, they would be able to see. They would be able to identify to find that, a pattern. Somewhere. Yeah, finding a yeah. pattern. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just reading. I, I'm not preaching. I'm just sitting here. Unless, chatting. unless it's chatting. confirming what they want to know in the first place. Well, and then they're throwing out all the outliers just that because it can make sense. Have you ever had an earwig in your ear? <laughs> Not technically, no. Yeah. They hurt. In your what? I've had them in my throat before and that's fun. How that happened? You fell asleep and it crawled in? No, I actually was <laughs> Funny story. I think I've told this like three times in the last week. <laughs> um, it just happened to be come about. Um, I, a friend and I, as kids, we found an old piece of hose, and we were, thought it'd be fun to like blow into it. <laughs> At the same time, well, I lost that blow. <laughs> Not good. I don't know why. Yeah, did you it swallow hard. it, or did I, they have to get it out? I do I, them. What them? It felt like they were crawling out my ears. Ooh. It was gross. Yeah. So I I don't know. There might have been one, might have been five. I don't know. Gross. It's still burned in my memory. I was, um, we were uh, doing a shoot in Hawaii when I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night, one of the Marines who was on fire watch jumped into my tent and grabbed me. And he goes, there's something that hurts. There's something in my ear. And then he screamed and fell to the ground. And so we were like looking at it, you know, I don't know. And a corpsman came out and took water and poured it into his ear. And as the water came out, so so did the airway. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> um, after clearly and methodically laying out an ironclad case for recommending, so we're back, back at Clinton again, for recommending charges against Hillary Clinton Tuesday, 
The FBI Director James Comey instead announced that the comprehensive investigation into her use of personal email system had found the presumptive Democratic nominee for president had been totally and utterly above the law. It's true. I don't know how you could make any other case, right? What? (laughs) Quote, We assess it is possible that hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. Comey said plainly after explaining that Clinton had in fact used numerous private servers and mobile devices to knowingly send and receive highly classified information over a shoddy email system uh, that did not have even basic security features like those employed by regular email clients like Gmail. Quote, normally this would be prosecuted vigorously, but our investigation has discovered that Secretary Clinton is completely immune to legal ramifications of any sort. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case against Secretary Clinton because she is exempt from the laws that apply to all other Americans. And they don't want to end up dead in mysterious situations. Adding that it didn't really matter that she'd been lying so profusely about all the things as she is immune to justice. Quote, to be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances... A person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To not. the contrary. Yes. Those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, he confirmed. But those individuals are not Hillary Clinton. Yes. Now, reading through that, you would think that that was satire. No. And you'd be, you'd be right. Oh, really? <laughs> but it's the, the truth is as strange as fiction now. Ugh. Is that not insane? Yeah, I think that it is. That is a full-on satire article. Yeah. I think it is. But, you know, this is this is the craziest thing to me. Is that they are so confident in in this activity. They know that the vast majority of the people in the United States aren't going to say boo. They know this. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they know that is that the vast majority of the people in the United States knows that the game is rigged. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, you know, we're all equal, but some are more equal than others. You know, this is a perfect example. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more equal. I'm a better equal. Much better equal. I, I have to admit, though, if I was an FBI agent... And I was supposed to investigate Hillary Clinton. I would think twice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know. the The hypocrisy to me is so is so apparent and so uh, so grotesque, because Hillary and the rest of her ilk. Uh, were vehemently opposed to Richard Nixon. And what did he do? Not a lot compared to what they've been doing what right. they've been doing now. <clears throat> uh Mark Levin. The great one. My great one. Uh August 13, 2015. Did he make a prediction? Um Yeah, I'm seeing if we can get it to play here. This is what he um, had to say. Part of what he had to say anyway. I want to read to you Section 793 of the Penal Code. 
Section 793 of the Penal Code. One thing about Mark, and I don't know the guy, he's no slouch when it comes to the law. Yeah, but doesn't he, he has a PhD in, uh, was it neuroscience or something like, no, organic chemistry or something like that, I thought. Look it up. Mark Levin. Mark Levin. 77 WABC. Sorry. That's this. <laughs> that's pretty funny that that's built into my head. Uh, I could be wrong. One of the big talk show hosts does, but I don't think it's him. Who's the other oh, one? Oh, uh, that, that one is um, uh, Savage. Yeah, Savage. Yeah, yeah. No, he's an attorney. Yeah, Mark, well, yeah, Mark Levin, Levin is a, he's brilliant when it comes to the law. Subsection F. Because this is what Hillary Clinton, among other things, but this in particular is what Hillary Clinton has to worry about. This is almost a year ago. Here's the law. Whoever, being entrusted with or having lawful possession or control of any document, writing, code book, signal book, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, note, or information relating to the, to the national defense. By the way, this is part of what's called the Espionage Act. Subset 1, through gross negligence, permits the same to be removed from its proper place of custody or delivered to anyone in violation of his trust, or to be lost, stolen, abstracted, or destroyed. Got that? I'll get to the next section later. I'm hearing on TV, it depends on, on her intent. It depends on her intent. No, it doesn't. Now, that's Not, in, look, a year ago, he's saying, they're all saying, oh, it just depends on, just on, just depends on intent, depends on intent. Mm-hmm. That's what they ended up saying, well, her intent was not there. Mm-hmm. He's claiming that that has nothing to do with the law. With respect to this subsection F. Or two, having knowledge that the same has been illegally removed from its proper place of custody or delivered to anyone in violation of its trust or lost or stolen or abstracted and so forth. So here's her problem. Subsection 1, through gross negligence, permits the same to be removed from its proper place of custody. The entire server was not supposed to be. It turns out it's in her barn. She has a barn. That's kind of crazy. Mark from the grave. Not the grave. He's not dead, but. Wow. Too bad it didn't work. Mm. Iowa. We're jumping around today. Iowa. Iowa. This is a, this is a Todd Starnes. He's a, uh, yeah. a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, smart. I don't know. Anyway. It's Christian. Okay. <clears throat> Is a, is a state a place, sorry, is a church a place of public accommodation? And if so, are congregations required to follow anti-discrimination laws regarding gender and sexual orientation? That's the issue raised by a brochure published by the Iowa Civil Rights Commission. They contend that any church that opens its doors to the public would be required to comply with sexual orientation and gender identity laws. It's unclear when the commission's brochure was published, but it clearly outlines their interpretation of the 07 Iowa Civil Rights Act, known as Iowa Code Chapter 216. 
First, Liberty Institute is representing Cornerstone World Outreach, a Sioux City church that fears it may be in violation of the statute. Hiram Sasser, the law firm's director of litigation, said the commission's brochure means churches would be required to let transgender individuals use the bathrooms of their choice. Quote, it further compels our client to use specific pronouns when referring to certain gender identities and prohibits our client from even teaching its religious beliefs. Cornerstone World Outreach cannot be made to open its restrooms for use by individuals in accordance with their gender identities rather than their sex assigned at birth. The law, the law firm fired, up, fired off a demand letter to the Iowa Civil Rights Commission calling for them to amend its published policy to clarify that it will not apply Iowa Code 216 against churches and that they must acknowledge that Cornerstone World Outreach is exempt from the enforcement. I reached out to the Iowa Civil Rights Commission for clarification on their interpretation of the law, but so far they have not returned my correspondence. Chelsea Yaoman, First Liberty's Chief of Staff, told me the ramifications of Iowa's policy cannot be overstated. Quote, this is an unprecedented move by a government agency to mandate that any time a church opens its doors to the public that it automatically qualifies as a place of public accommodation. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Pastor Gary Kerry Gordon accused the Iowa Civil Rights Commission of, quote, acting like a First Amendment Gestapo to hunt down and harass churches and local businesses trying to live out their Christian convictions. Based on what they are saying, Orthodox Christianity is in violation of the state law of Iowa. The brochure on sexual orientation and gender identity has a section titled, Does this law apply to churches? Just so liberals won't accuse me of taking this out of context, I'm going to provide you with the entire answer. Does this law apply to churches? Sometimes. Iowa law provides that these protections do not apply to religious institutions with respect to any religion-based qualifications when such qualifications are related to bona fide religious purpose. Where qualifications are not related to a bona fide religious purpose, churches are still subject to the law's provisions. Uh, for example, a child care facility operated at a church or a church service open to the public. A few thoughts here. Does that mean churches must allow men to identify as women to use the bathroom of their choice during Wednesday night church suppers? Are congregations required to let transgender folks play on the church softball teams of their choice? What about church-related sporting events for children? Are those events covered under the law? And which government agency decides what is and what is not a bona fide religious purpose? Such emphasis highlights the commission's intention to not only heavily scrutinize the validity and sincerity of the religious doctrines of our client and other religious institutions, but also the very legitimacy of the church as a religious body. But the most concerning part of the policy involves the public accommodation clause. The commission states that churches that open their services to the public would have to comply to the law. Well, that covers just about every church in the state because that's the point of Sunday service. Churches want everyone to attend their services, saints and sinners. Attorney Yaoman tells me that if the rules are enforced, it could lead to significant trouble for people of faith. The state claims it has the power to regulate the church, what the church even teaches, what they are allowed to say from the pulpit, in addition to how they operate regarding matters of gender and sexuality, she said. If the church has a doctrine or theology that is at odds with the state and they speak out about that, they can have the full weight of the law brought down against them. 
To be clear, no church in Iowa has been accused of violating the law, but Pastor Gordon also believes it's a matter of time before an activist files a complaint. Quote, it's a harbinger of more trouble to come if we don't address it right now and hold them accountable to what they're saying. What do you think? Um, I think that's inevitable. Um, sort of thing happens already. It's a little bit different in Iran and Iraq and uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, oh, a lot of countries where the underground church exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same kind of principle. It's it's persecution. That's what it is. <clears throat> I guess um, it it's going to change. I for the life of me, I I can't see how it how it can't. I mean, we gotta fight if we can for our rights, but to party. <laughs> oh, not that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how is this going to turn around? I mean, what force is going to... What's the salt nowadays? <laughs> I mean, it used to be Christ, Christians. I mean, true Christians mm-hmm. that were uh, preserving the culture. But what What now? And then you look at the at the churches, so many of the churches, it seems... So many of the churches, the the biggest priority is to get bigger. And I know, you know, in evangelical churches, it's to to point people to Jesus theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to say something here that <laughs> might be controversial to some. <laughs> Hold on, buckle up! I'm ready. <laughs> It seems to me, and this is my opinion, um, that in uh, most churches, when when you have a pastor who has a financial incentive to, um, or who has career aspirations, I would think that it would be very easy to do what you need to to get more people, and I. I mean, I personally, you know, in the Bible uh, where Paul said, you know, you don't want to um, muzzle the ox while it's plowing so that it can eat the grain, it can participate in, in the labor. But um, I think a, a lot of churches, um, they value the the... The, their nonprofit status very much, and if if they got rid of the nonprofit status, it would cut into the bottom line of the church, and so they're afraid of it. Um, they're afraid of a lot of things, and I appreciate Apostle Paul, who was a tent maker, who would work so that he wouldn't have to take the money from the congregations. And I don't think it's it's a blanket rule across the board, but it seems to me that when you have tons and tons of churches 
where being a pastor is a career rather than a calling, um, you're going to, I don't, people might look at this and think it's catastrophic, but I think it might actually be a, um, something that would purify the church rather than destroy it. And it's not that I'm against pastors getting paid per se, but I think that too many of them forget that God is their provider, not these people. And they get the idea so many times that they are working for the deacon board or whatever, rather than working for God. And, um, yeah. So to some people, this might be uh, a scary thing, but I think it would be good in the long run. It would be painful. I hope it doesn't happen, but if it did, I think there would be some really good consequences coming out of it. Is that controversial a little bit? No. Oh, okay, good. But I mean, are you advocating for pastoral placement no i i would be more rather of a, than i would be more of an advocate of pass um pastors not getting paid by vocational so they would have to hold a job like like a, a yeah. 9 to 5 kind of thing mhm i'm not saying this is mandatory or absolute and there is no one solution for anything. But it seems to me that um, when people, it's so easy in a church to give your tithe and to think that, okay, now I'm, I've am i done my part. I don't have to study anymore. I just have to go to church and they'll tell me what to think. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't have to reach out to the people around me because that's his job. We pay a salary. And um, to me, that's an issue in in a lot of churches. Interesting. Controversial? Could be, depending upon who you're talking to. I also believe that uh, there should be an expiration date on all churches. Churches? Yes. I also believe that when a church is created, that there should be an understanding in 10, 15, 20 years that the church is going to disband and then they're start going to, over and then start all over. <laughs> and the Francis Chan model? No, no. The whole point of it is, is that um, the focus isn't on a bigger and bigger building. Mm-hmm. It isn't, you're not going to sit there and split a church on the color of the carpeting if you know that you're going to sell everything in five years. I mean, it's radical. Nobody will do it, but (laughs) I think it would, uh, it would get people to start spending their money on things that matter. That's interesting. Controversial? Perhaps. 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 But none of these are hills I'm willing to die on, or and if people don't do it this way, I don't think that they're wrong. I just think it would be... I don't think it's ever been tried, though. Uh, I, I did hear this uh, old guy's almost tear down 
of the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. And I'm intrigued with your, to know your thoughts on this. Now, I'm not sure that the Reformation is something I can boil down to the one or two things. Uh, if you're living in a compromised Catholic environment, as I live in a compromised Catholic environment, let me assure you that justification by faith alone, the sovereignty of God, the assurance, the, the assurance of salvation, uh, the whole nature of uh, conversion. Uh, see, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. That's a blasphemy. The Holy Spirit is the vicar of Christ. True. Because the word vicar means a substitute. When the Lord Jesus left, he sent his spirit. And so the Catholic Church is actually, uh, it takes the role and place of the Holy Spirit. What the Scripture says of the Holy Spirit, the Catholic Church says of itself. It's, it's a terrible, terrible error. And so they will say Trinitarian creeds, but when you look at the structure of their thought, it's the church that replaces. He calls himself the Pope, which is, means Papa, the Father. Call no man Father, but your Father in heaven. It's Ooh. a blasphemy to call him the Pope because there is only one Father, and he calls himself the pontiff. The pontiff means the bridge. Well, who do you think is the bridge? I mean, my navigator friend sure told me who was the bridge, <laughs> even if I had to write two ways to live to get away from it. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ is the bridge between us and God. So they, the, the Catholic claims of the Pope blaspheme the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. <laughs> That's what the, That's it's a thug life. <laughs> <laughs> interesting i was that's why that's the reformation right there sola scriptura sola uh fidel uh fidel uh, i'm sorry the latin for faith faith alone scripture alone mm -hmm. christ alone um <clears throat> and i mean that's that's you know like i'm not uh, there are tons of churches out there, and no one's going to get to heaven because there are, they are whatever the denomination is, whatever you say the denomination is. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to get there because of it. And different people have different understandings, and they're in different walks with their um, as they as they follow Jesus Christ. However, all that being said, you look at the Council of Trent in, I believe, 1546, which was a reaction to the Reformation. And the Council of Trent was a council that the Catholic Church put together. And at the council they said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but you can look it up, that if any man says that they can get to heaven through faith alone, let them be anathema, let them be a curse, let them go to hell if you believe that you can get to heaven through faith alone. Rather than through the church? Yeah, rather than through the church. <clears throat> you should you should read some of the anathemas that they have in the church uh, from the Council of Trent that the Catholic Church had. And when you read these things, you have to go, if you actually believe this, because there's tons of people that go to the Catholic Church that don't, they probably don't really even understand it. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of it's semantic and whatnot, uh, semantics. But if you actually believe 
what the Council of Trent teaches, you are anathema. You are going to hell. I mean, Paul said, is it? And uh, if any man's, uh, um, uh, if, if an angel from heaven comes down and says that, that you're justified by the works of the law rather than faith in Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul said. That's what happens. They got a lot of things right. Uh, uh, they have a lot of things right. Uh, the the Trinity, the deity of Jesus, um, the uh, um, the Bible, uh, but the but the the thing with the Catholic Church is uh, that was one of the rallying cries of the Reformation: sola scriptura, Scripture alone. But the Catholic Church um, elevates tradition above Scripture, so they'll say Scripture, yes, but then tradition also takes. You have to take into account what tradition says, what the church fathers said, what e- up, equally, yeah, or above, or, or more, or above them, how they interpret it. So it, I mean, you know, uh, if you go to different like Jehovah Witnesses and whatnot, or the Mormons, they will, the church will interpret what Scripture says. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same way um, in the Catholic Church, <clears throat> but again, um, it's not a. They make it out to be like this monolithic structure that everybody believes the same, and and uh, many uh, Roman Catholic apologists will look down on Protestants or evangelicals and say, "Well, look, there's thirty thousand denominations. You're all fractured, but here in Mother Church, we are one." Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's not true at all. Um, but that's a uh, that was a that was a good. I would agree with that. But I would not say I would not say just because you're a Catholic you're going to hell. I would say that a person who goes to heaven is is because of what they've done with what Jesus did. Who they identify with, who they right. are trusting in. Right. Well, that's a this deep is, thought for a shallow is, mind. Right. This is the David Allen Show. This is the David Allen Show. Murmur, murmur. Uh, on this um, fine, this fine, fine summer, fine. summer evening, uh, we do do this show live on Thursday nights. <laughs> we stream Jesus, it out. He said, "Do do." <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> this is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. Send us a message. Please. DavidAllenShow at gmail.com. Or say hi on Facebook with David Allen Show. Please. Please. The police. What? The police. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> oh, yes.
that song what year was that who is it actually oh the gap band sounds like something from the 80s like early 80s or something well kind of reminds me like the ghostbuster song that was probably (laughs) 84 maybe oh man Well, if you've been paying attention at all to the news today, last night, the social media world, um, you would have seen two instances of Facebook Live um, doing probably not what they wanted it to do. (laughs) Uh, I was on Instagram last night, scrolling through my feed and ran across... um, through some thread that I followed, a film, a video of um, a man getting shot in the chest by a cop essentially sitting on top of him. Mm -hmm. Um, Does not look good. Um, Unfortunately, it Mm -hmm. was a black guy. Mm -hmm. And so now everyone is... Up in arms. Sure. In That was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Louisiana. Uh, then in uh, Minnesota. Woo! I believe within, what, 24 hours? Oh, yeah. Of the other one? Yeah. Um, the Again, these this is all. There is no investigation at this point that I know of, that I know details from. Mm-hmm. Strictly um, what I observed on the face bag mm-hmm. and Instagram, which is owned by face bag, so it works out. Got stopped for out taillight, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, cops came up to the door. He, again, this is what's out there right now, said that he told them that he was a concealed carry weapon permit holder mm-hmm. and that he had a weapon. And they apparently asked him for his ID and he said he was going to get it. Reached for it. The cop shot him and apparently killed him in the car. There was a four-year-old kid, I believe, in the back seat, and the kid, the guy's girlfriend. Oh, just after he shot, she fires up Facebook Live and goes out live streaming this stuff. There's video footage oh. of this guy laying in the driver's seat in and out of consciousness, shot in the arm and into his, his body. Um... This, from my, from what I can tell, this is the first time 
that we've been able to see blood and death uh-huh. that fast on uh-huh. social media before oh, it mean. gets censored. Yeah, yeah. And it's to both instances, it's a black guy being shot to death by police. Mm-hmm. Again, don't know all the the circumstances building up to it, mm-hmm. but that's what went out there, and that is like instantly viral. I mean, millions of views without, I mean, instantly this goes out there. Yeah. That girl's Facebook page apparently got taken down by Facebook, but everyone, it's been, they're sharing her video like 100, 200,000 times at this point. It's been, been viewed millions of times on, on the social media. Um, the governor of Minnesota, Mark Dayton. Yeah. Says, ah, where'd it go? It's up here. Uh, he had a remark about the case in Minnesota. And this is what he had to say. Maybe. This was four hours ago. This video got put out there. Because, you know, I've heard in the last um, few hours from very distinguished African-American men and women who have recounted to me how they've been pulled over, singled out, and treated very differently because of their race from how uh, white Minnesotans expect to be covered. Would this have happened if those the passengers, the driver and the passenger were white? I don't think it would have. So I'm forced to confront, and I think all of us in Minnesota are forced to confront, that this, this kind of uh, racism exists. So the governor of Minnesota, that was his position for, uh, earlier today. On July 7th. So basically, the only exercise he gets is jumping to conclusions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I, I don't love that either. See, because a responsible politician, no, a responsible elected official, because I don't know if there are responsible politicians, but a responsible elected official would say... Let's find the facts. Yeah. We're not sure what happened. We know what it looks like to some people. <laughs> But how about we let them investigate it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they violated, if the police officers have violated the law, they will be prosecuted to the furthest extent. And if they didn't, if 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 uh, they uh, they actually felt like they were in in danger of their lives, mm-hmm. and a reasonable person would suspect that, then they will be acquitted. But let the system work. Right. right. But no, of course we can't do that. No, because it's on social media. It's out there. The public has seen the aftermath. But they but they see the aftermath. Exactly, right. But they, they don't, don't know what anything. happened. Absolutely. And so yeah. and so it's totally tainted. Yeah. And I don't know at this point, how would you find a jury? An unbiased jury? That, that, it'd be very difficult. Yeah. The president put out a press release today. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. yeah because if he had a son, it would probably be like this guy too, mm-hmm. right? In a hoodie, yeah. All Americans should be deeply troubled by the fatal shootings of Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Philando Castile in Falcon Heights, Minnesota. We've seen such tragedies far too many times, and our hearts go out to the families and communities who've suffered such a painful loss. Now, I have expect him to go on and blame guns for this. But if he does, then he if he blames guns for this, he has to then blame the cops. Mm-hmm. They're the, supposed to be the good guys with a gun. Well, now I don't, know if, we, blaming, I don't know if he's going to go there. He's blaming the cops. Oh, there. you bet. But I mean, this start is how he starts out everything. When it's always when it comes to guns, gun violence, gun violence. Well, this was the other way, 
And now he's, what's he going to do? Well, let's see. Although I am constrained in commenting on the particular facts of these cases, then shut up. You're not that constrained. I am encouraged that the U.S. Department of Justice has opened a civil rights investigation in Baton Rouge, and I have full confidence in their professionalism and their ability to conduct a thoughtful, thorough, and fair inquiry. At least he didn't say the police acted stupidly, like he did in in the past. But regardless of the outcome of such investigations, what's clear... Let me be clear. What's clear is that these fatal shootings are not isolated incidents. They are symptomatic of the broader challenges within our criminal justice system. The racial disparities that appear across the system year after year and the resulting lack of trust that exists between law enforcement and too many of the communities that they serve. To admit we've got a serious problem in in no way contradicts our respect and appreciation for the vast majority of police officers you who know, put their lives on the true. line. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it is to say that as a nation, we can and must do better to ins- institute the best practices that reduce the appearance or reality of racial bias in law enforcement. That's why two years ago, I said, of course, always comes back to him, narcissist that he is, I set up a task force in two, in, on on 21st century policing. What? He set up a task force on 21st century policing that convened police officers, community leaders, and activists. Together, they came up with detailed recommendations on how to improve community policing. So, even as officials continue to look into this week's tragic shootings, we also need communities to address the underlying fissures that lead to these incidents and to implement those ideas that can make a difference. That's how we'll keep our communities safe. And that's how we can start restoring confidence that all people in this great nation are equal before the law, except Hillary. In the meantime, (laughs) all Americans should recognize the anger, frustration, and grief that so many Americans are feeling. Feelings that are being expressed in peaceful protests and vigils. Michelle and I share these feelings. Oh, that's the wrong guy. (laughs) Rather than fall into a predictable pattern of division and political posturing... Let's reflect on what we can do better. I think for a minute there, his teleprompter went bad. Let's come together as a nation and keep faith with one another in order to ensure a future where all our children know that their lives matter. I think he left out the black word. Yeah. All our black children know. Now. Ben Shapiro writes, this is nonsense. Not Ben. Hold on. No. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. Yeah. He says, this is nonsense. First off, there is no systematic problem of black men being shot by racial, for racial reasons by law enforcement. One study at the Washington State University found that, quote, even with white officers who do have racial biases, officers are three times less likely to shoot unarmed black suspects than unarmed white suspects. And according to Professor Peter Moskos of John Jay College of Criminal Justice at City University of New York, quote, if one adjusts for the racial disparity in the homicide rate or the rate at which police are feloniously killed, whites are actually more likely to be killed by police than blacks. Adjusted for the homicide rate, whites are 1.7 times more likely than blacks 
to die at the hands of police. Adjusted for the racial disparity at which police are feloniously killed, whites are 1.3 times more likely than blacks to die at the hands of police. Oh. So while Obama calls for Americans to come together, he's actually calling more racial division based on shoddy evidence. Obama says, quote, regardless of the outcome of such investigations, what's clear is that these fatal shootings are not isolated incidents. They are symptoms. That's a way of lumping together instances that are statistically isolated with a broader trend of incarceration of minorities disproportionate to the general population, but absolutely proportionate to commission of crime. The facts don't matter here. Nope. All that matters is whether Democrats can make hay by proclaiming, as always, that America and her cops are racist. So my question is, um, is our culture more racist now than it was in 1965? Okay, let's go there. <laughs> I don't know about 65. Uh, on Facebook, 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 there are several people that I am a little bit intrigued with with some of their postings today. Some I'm... And it's it's not that I disagree with the sentiment that we shouldn't... The cops shouldn't be shooting black people because mm-hmm. they're black. Duh. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know anyone that thinks otherwise. Yeah. It's just like I don't know any Christian that hates gay people. Yeah. I don't know them. Maybe they're out there. But for people, 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 people that I know that I think are intelligent, I guess I don't know where this is. Like one wrote, the irrational fear of black men and people of color in this country is an epidemic and deeply rooted in our history. If you're in a position of privilege, you owe it to your fellow human beings there we go, to watch the video of Philando Castile filmed by his girlfriend and mother of his child who was also in the car when he was murdered. He did nothing wrong. If you aren't outraged, you're not paying attention. Silence is unacceptable. Try to em- empathize. That poor little girl witnessed the death of her father. Her sweet little voice at the end of the video while she's trying to comfort her mother. I don't, I don't claim to know what the answer is, but saying nothing and doing nothing is not an option. I'm so sorry this happened again. We have to support each other. We have to have these uncomfortable discussions. I'm rocked by my, to my core and as a person of privilege because he's white, apparently. I refuse to remain silent about it. Now, the thing that I don't like about this is that he's instantly implied that the driver did nothing wrong. Correct. That the police officer was a racist mm-hmm. that pulled him over simply because he was black. And shot him because he was black. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... Knowing there was a baby in the back. Knowing, knowing these things. Yeah. Right. And knowing there was a woman in the front seat. Mm-hmm. And knowing that... Uh, invariably knowing that if you shoot somebody, uh, your life comes to an end. Especially uh, like what they said. Uh, what Ben Shapiro said, one of the studies that if you shoot a black person, you're more like, or you're less likely to shoot. Right. A, well, there's a reason for that. Um, but there, he automatically implies all these things about a person. He knows nothing that happened prior to the beginning of that video. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. And <clears throat> um, I know quite a few people that uh, are either cops or were cops at one time. And... Uh, none of them, none of them 
I mean, you, I mean, you, you find you find some meatheads, you know, just like you do in any 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 profession. Um, but at least in Minnesota, they have a really good pension. They have a really good pension if you're a cop. Mm-hmm. You have no vested interest in shooting in losing somebody. that. Yeah, in losing your pension. There is no vested interest. There is no uh, like secret police society that that goes around trying tries to kill people. If he pulled him over because he had a broken taillight, mm-hmm. guess what? He had a broken taillight. I've been pulled over from for a, a, a headlight out. I I have. I've been pulled over for a headlight out, and the the cop stopped behind me and waited for backup to come up and get my license and talk to me. I've had that happen to me. Um, if Have you uh, bleached your skin out since then? A little bit. No, no, no. no. Sorry, I don't mean to make light of that. <laughs> but um, there, there's, a, there's a point in all this. None of these cops are out there to do these things. And if they are, they're not that's not something you can hide for a long period of time. Do you know how much paperwork it takes? Mm-hmm. For for silly things. I mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And if there is a lunatic out there doing it, then hammer him. Yeah. But otherwise I I, I think from what you know my kind of thought on this is let's say that up to the point that these videos started, mm-hmm. that there wasn't a dangerous situation for the cops. They mm-hmm. are just, they flip into They're trigger panic, happy just shooting. Well, well, they flip into panic training mode. Are we training our law enforcement officers that if like non-compliance means shoot them, like, is that what we're training them to do? Here's the thing. Minnesota is, I believe it's the only state in the union that in order to be a police officer, you have to have at least a two-year degree. The only state in the union. Really? Yeah. So every police officer in the United States, I mean in um, Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, if you're from Minnesota and you want to be a cop in Minnesota, you have to get a two-year degree. So these are not just people that you're putting a badge on and going, you know, go get them, Tiger. Mm-hmm. These are people that um, that have gone, that are well-educated and have gone through a lot of training. In um, in Like in the state of South Dakota. If you get hired as a police officer, you don't have to go to a police academy for six months. They can give you a, a badge and a gun. You can go out and, you know, do what you got to do until you go to the... That's not the way it is in Minnesota. So then the implication there is if you make it as a cop, yes, theoretically you are... You have to... You're, you're, you're well-trained. Not only well-trained, they... Um, they do a background study or background check on you mm-hmm. where they go, uh, they interview people that, that you knew. They, they go to, uh, they, have, they have an officer that will go, especially in the larger departments like this, 
that will go to wherever you work to interview people. Then you have to take psychological examinations. Then you also have to be interviewed by a psychologist in order to be a cop in, mm-hmm. in some of these bigger departments. So this is not some lunatic redneck out uh, with an agenda. Right. Okay, now in anything, people can slip through the cracks. Of course that's that's the case. <clears throat> um, but in Minnesota, you're, you are not going to get what you might get in Kentucky or, you know, the stereotypical uh, cop with an attitude. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened in Baton Rouge, but at least the Minnesota cop is not just some some toothless idiot with a gun, you know. <laughs> uh, here is a uh, a rundown of some of the f- the information on the Alton Sterling, the guy in in Louisiana. Uh, he was the father of five children from different women. Uh, I don't know if they, it was five different women. Um, oh, so shoot a man because he gets around? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> nope. Um, he had a criminal history consisting of sexual intercourse with a minor under age 17. Oh, in, so just shoot a man because he's got a criminal history? Uh, that was 2000. Um, the record show that he was registered as a sex offender in 04. Uh, for, quote, carnal knowledge of a juvenile. Interesting. Um, on September 20, 2000, in his home state of Louisiana. Uh, he, in addition to selling CDs, he worked as a cook, his friend said. Um, it quotes. One of his friends said, Sterling had been selling CDs outside his store and in the area nearby for the past six years. His friends... Calvin Wilson and David Solomon said he had another job as a cook. Quote, whatever he cooked, he cooked enough for everybody. Don't know what that means. Um, He pleaded guilty to illegally carrying a weapon and possession of marijuana in 2009. He was sentenced for five years in prison for marijuana possession with the intent to distribute. There's some intent for you. And for carrying an illegal weapon that had controlled, that had a, what? Intent to distribute and for carrying an illegal weapon that had a controlled dangerous substance. What? Would that be a bullet? Is that a controlled dangerous substance? Hmm. Is that because he had a gun illegal gun and was carrying the, the, the drugs? Yeah, that's probably why. Maybe. Uh he lived in a shell at a shelter. Uh Sterling had been living for the past few months at Living Waters Outreach Ministry. Uh, due to his criminal offenses, um, his fellow residents at the shelter, Wilson and Solomon, said they helped him sell CDs at the home from time to time. Wilson added that about five people were living there full time. Uh, a warrant was sent for his arrest in 2015 for failure to register as a sex offender, among other crimes. So he had a warrant out. Uh, by April... The local district attorney's office filed charges against Sterling for his failure to register as a sex offender. His court record shows he was accused of other crimes since 1996. He had pleaded guilty to aggravated battery, simple criminal damage to property, and unauthorized entry and domestic abuse battery. And he, uh, he had been carrying a gun illegally at the time of his death. 
Apparently, Sterling's family members say he was what? On... Whoa, 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 whoa! He was carrying a gun illegally at the time of his death. That's what it says. So then he did have a gun. Well, that's what it says. Sterling's family members say he was an, on probation at the time of his death and was quote not allowed to carry a gun. Uh, the store owner said Sterling began carrying the gun recently after his friend was mugged. He had been incarcerated and released on parole shortly before his death. Now, again, I don't know the facts of the case. I've seen the video footage of him getting shot, and it's gut-wrenching. I don't like it. doesn't look good. True. But I don't know what happened prior to that. And so I can watch this video and see two cops slam him to the ground mm-hmm. and talk to yell at him. And then all of a sudden one cop pulls it out, points it at his chest and is yelling at him and then all of a sudden shoots him. Mm-hmm. Now, from that vantage point, it looks absurd. Mm-hmm. What in the world? Why are they there? Why would you pull a gun on a guy? You have him pinned to the ground. What's going on? I don't know the here, rest of the story. Here, like, here's... Here's one thing that uh, law enforcement officers are taught, that if somebody's within 21 feet of you and has a knife, they can get to you and stab you before you're able to draw and shoot shoot them. 21 feet, so seven yards. Um, and they demonstrate it all the time in training. <clears throat> so when there's a weapon... They are they are not taught to like disarm somebody, to um, you know shoot them in the arm, shoot them in the leg. You shoot to stop them, because if they are going to, here's here's the principle, and this is why it's a capital murder if you keep if you kill a cop. If you're willing to kill a cop, then you're willing to kill anybody. Because you know they're armed? No, but because of who they represent. Okay. And so if you're a cop and somebody has a gun and they're they're acting and they're not complying Mm -hmm. and they're acting in a way that if they got loose, they could shoot you, what is a reasonable person supposed to do? I mean, a reasonable person trained... Is going to do what they did. Well, a reasonable person wouldn't prosecute Hillary. That's for sure. <laughs> True that. I saw a video um, uh, about this. Uh, the cops come up to this guy and he takes off running and they pull out a gun and they shoot him and he goes down. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the heck? He was running away. Why'd you shoot him? Then there's another cop car that looked at it from a different angle. And what you don't see is when he was running, he um, he was turning around slightly with a gun in his hand, and he was starting to shoot at the cops behind him. And they saw the gun, and they shot him and killed him. Um, problem with all these things is that you're at one vantage point, right. but you're not at the same vantage point as uh, the police officers are. So you have to be careful. And... The, the, uh, in, in my opinion, one of the biggest issues with these, and I don't, I mean, we don't know the whole video. Let's just assume, let's just assume that they were just walking. They were on their way to or from a Bible study. Donut shop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
and they did nothing wrong, and all of a sudden these cops just went crazy. Okay. Let's just uh, assume that you have a crazy cop out there. Okay. I don't know of anybody, I don't know of a situation where somebody's been killed by a cop anytime recently where they were complying with the commands that the cops told them to do and then they, they did it. Now, the the guy in the car in, many, in, in Falcon Heights, mm-hmm. if he was complying with it, if mm-hmm. he told them, I have a concealed weapon, I'm right. concealed carrying, did all the rest of it, um, if all that is pans out to be true, well then... That cop is, in, is busted. Yeah, I mean, he's right. done. He's done. Now, um, now <clears throat> in that kind of a case, though, could he fall on the argue, or that fall back on the idea that uh, he feared for his life? Oh, of course he could. And, and get off? I'm I'm sure he could because... And it depends upon what kind of video they have on it, I'm sure, and how the guy was going for his license, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you know, all of that is taken into account. Um, so, of course, I mean, uh, truthfully, none of these cops are probably going to get prosecuted. Right. I mean, they'll go through the whole thing, and then they'll get off, because it comes down to... It's kind of like the intent um, in order for there to be a crime. In most crimes, you have to show intent. Here you have to show that a reasonable person wouldn't have done what they did. Mm-hmm. So, um, But my, my issue about all this is that there's this attitude that so many people have that um, the place to... Um, to argue, like to argue about what a cop is doing to you is on the street corner when they're doing it to you. That that is a reasonable, um, uh, a reasonable, a reasonable action for somebody to take is to resist arrest or to not listen to a police officer. Now that's a problem. I mean that totally is a problem. But that also shows the lack of uh, respect that people have for authority. It's, I mean, it shows a lot of things. And it is one of those things where as our society becomes more and more lawless, people are going to act less respectful. It's going to be more lawless, so a cop is going to be less likely to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and less likely to treat them with the respect that they might may or may not deserve and it's a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in some cases but um but I don't care I don't care who you are if a cop tells you to do something you do it because you can't win whatever it is you think that you're going to do to get away or whatever you can't win there's in, in the middle of it with on the street on the street. Okay. If he tells you to stop, you stop. If he tells you to put your hands up, you know, above your head, you put them above your head. You do it because you cannot win. There's no point. And if you've done nothing wrong, let them do their thing. And when there's no threat and you comply, they're far more likely to let you go. And And consider, consider... You're dealing with people 
that have chosen this career, yes, but they've chosen their job is to go in the opposite direction of everybody else. Their job is when there's that drunk guy who's who's um, throwing bottles through windows and is threatening people. His job is not to call nine one one. His job is to is to go and make the guy stop and arrest him. A guy who doesn't want to be arrested. His job is to go to a domestic violence situation where many, many cops are killed and hear two stories and both of them are probably lying. And then he has to, on the spot, try to make a decision that makes the most sense. He's out there hanging out on on his own all the time. And he has to control the situation. He cannot allow the situation to go outside of control because then people get killed, people get hurt. This happens all the time. That's that's his job. That's that's what he does all the time. And no cop who's been there more than a year wants to get in a fist fight because they they got it out of their system. Especially in the in the larger cities, it there's it's a no win situation. So no cop, unless he's a total lunatic and somehow squeak through the system, um is going to want to shoot somebody just for the sake of shooting them. I mean, it's just not going to happen. There are, there are more transgender people than there are lunatic cops, okay? <laughs> so so then if we're going to have this discussion about black people getting shot, then maybe we should have a bigger discussion, and maybe it shouldn't just revolve around so-called racist cops. Maybe it should, it should revolve around... Um, why are the cops the way they are right now? Mm-hmm. Why are they being trained the way they are now? Why does why do people think that they have a right to not listen to a cop? Mm-hmm. Why is why is fourteen percent of the black population responsible for fifty percent of the serious crimes? Why do seventy percent of all black women give birth illegit or to illegitimate children? Why has the poverty rate gone up? Why has the um, the graduation from uh, the uh, the literacy rate and the rate of people graduating from high school gone down in a black in the black culture since 1965 when the civil rights movement started where there was Jim Crow and all these or, horrible racist policies and now are people trying to say that we're more racist now than we were in 1965 because we're not we're obviously not and yet these people keep spinning this narrative to what end? Um, discord and and to uh, stir up trouble. You think it's perpetuated by the media? Oh yeah, don't you? Well, but maybe. I, I. It seems like the stuff that gets the most play mm-hmm. is when it's, it goes this way. Because when you see cops shoot a white guy, that doesn't get hard any play. Exactly. And it ha- I mean, it happens a lot statistically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There was a uh, a black cop who shot a white a white guy and around the same same time as I think it was the Michael Brown shooting. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear anything about yeah. that. Yeah, because you know. it didn't fit their the model. Yeah, their right? narrative that right. they want to. <clears throat> Here is an article that I uh, got shared by a friend of mine. Fifteen things your city can do right now <laughs> to better promote justice in policing. So let's go through these for a minute. Why? Number one, 
Well, it, it intrigues me. This first one intrigues me just a little bit. Stop criminalizing everything. There you go. There you go. Yes, absolutely. You may have gotten the impression that everything is a crime these days. That's because it probably is. Yes. The state of California, for instance, has created 1,000 new crimes in the past 25 years, while Michigan currently has 3,102 crimes on the books. New York City alone has 10,000 crimes, rules, and codes the police can enforce. In many cities, these crimes include innocuous activities like being in a park after hours, drinking alcohol in public, panhandling, spitting, and sleeping on the subway. Some cities have even criminalized the wearing of saggy pants. But I know why they do some of those things. They had the... To uh, clean up the riffraff? Well, I, I can't remember. Was it uh, uh, who uh, the mayor of New York who ran for a president? Gia, Gia, oh, uh, Rudy? Rudy, yeah. Giuliani. 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 He had a, I think they called it a broken window policy. And the and the idea was if if there's a guy peeing on the street, mm-hmm. if you remove them, if you penalize that and make sure that people aren't peeing on the streets and breaking windows, um, people are going to have more respect. They're mm-hmm. going to be, they're going to be less uh, callous about rules and laws and everything. Mm-hmm. And, people are going to be more likely to get out and walk around and ultimately crime will go down and it did it did pan out um so that i mean i'm sure some of it's right. that uh, a report <clears throat> that's listed here um estimates that police officers spend 90 percent of their time dealing with minor infractions like these and just 10% on violent crimes, resulting in a system where people of color are disproportionately summoned to court for low-level offenses. 80% of these summonses are for blacks and Latinos, to be specific. The solution? The reports say to push police departments and district attorneys to deprioritize enforcing and prosecuting low-level offenses, change city charters to limit the health, park, tax, and administrative offensive the offenses that police are responsible for enforcing, well, then who would do it? Reclassify misdemeanors as civil infractions whenever possible. And last but not least, but put measures in place to reduce the collateral consequences of these offenses. I ha- Employment, I have immigration, a... parenting, and public housing status should not be affected, they say. Okay. If you have a neighborhood, if you have two neighborhoods, one where the illegitimacy rate is 70% and another one's 20%, mm-hmm. which one is going to be higher income? Easy it's it's the one twenty percent because when you have a mother and a father in a stable relationship, they're going to make more money. They're going to make wiser decisions. Right. Okay. If you have more money and you're working, are you going to be spending a lot of time just wandering around, standing standing on the street corner? No, you're not. Right. You're going to be making productive decisions because it doesn't benefit you to do stupid stuff. You have a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. In those type of situations where 20% of the people, uh, only 20, there's only a 20% illegitimacy rate, you're going to have a higher income, you're going to have less crime, you're going to have a better place. Okay. So if you have the same number of people in two different locations, one with a 20% illegitimacy rate and another one with a 70% illegitimacy rate, which one is inherently going to have more crime? Right. It's going to be the one with 70%. Mm-hmm. So if you are a police officer and you're driving around the, the neighborhood with a 20% illegitimacy rate, you're going to see fewer, much less criminal activity. 
And the reason why you're going to see much less criminal activity is that so people... less criminals? Not only are there less criminals, but if you own this house, you're not going to let some bum right. pee on your bush. Right. Um, but if you don't, if, if you have less money, you're less likely to own a house, you're more likely to rent or to be subsidized rent, which means you don't own this stuff. You can act however you want. If you don't have a father to, uh, to show you what it's like to be a man and your mother's gone all the time, what's more likely? You're more likely to get out and go into trouble. Mm-hmm. So is it racist? No, I'd say there's a cultural difference between the two of them. Right. One of them, it seems reasonable to not uh, to uh, to just have sex with whomever and if you have children. And if it is, um, if you actually make more money by having more children, it's it's a good economic decision on your part and it's less... It's less hard work, so it's not it's not it's not a racial thing. Mm-hmm. Number two on this list: stop using poor people to fatten city budgets. Again, said thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, most courts can issue an arrest warrant if you don't show up for your court date for a summons or ticketed violation. So basically, you can go to jail for not paying a parking ticket. But you know what that's about. That's also about respecting the the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. If you don't, I mean, if you're summoned to go to court because you violated some law, uh, most of those things, though, most of those tickets, you pay them, you're done. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had a few tickets in my life, but I haven't had hundreds. <laughs> I haven't had tens. And the reason why is I'm not going to get a lot of parking tickets. Why? Because I'm going to find a place where I can park so that I don't get a ticket. Right. I'm not going to drive 90 miles an hour. Why? Because I'm going to because I've had tickets before and I don't want any more. Right. So I'm going to leave earlier so I don't have to speed as much. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that society's fault when you break the laws and yet show absolutely no respect to the criminal justice system? Now, if you don't think that these laws are are appropriate, you know. Uh, try to make the case for it, but just because if you if you if you broke the law, I mean, uh, in Minnesota, a speeding ticket isn't a criminal offense; it's a petty petty misdemeanor. But if you don't, if you disregard the uh, the the tickets and the summons from the court, then it becomes mm-hmm. a criminal issue because it's not it's not the speeding ticket; it is the disregarding the criminal justice system. Sorry. Number three. <laughs> There's 15. Kick, I'll shut up. Kick ICE out of your city. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. What? What do you mean? Well, they say Immigration and Customs Enforcement agencies rely heavily on local police. As it stands, ICE can ask your police department to hold someone suspected of immigration violations for up to 48 hours before they pick them up. Now, the problem with this is then you encourage illegal immigration or illegal um, pe- people that are not authorized by law to be in the country, you allow that to ha- still happen. So I don't love that idea because we do have, we are a nation of laws, I, I think, yep. well, unless your name is Hillary. Um, Good point. Then you, uh, we should have to follow them. Yeah. If I, I mean, I, I lived in Uganda for about five months. I didn't have 
I mean, it wasn't something that you could just buck the system. You walk into their, you know, you go into the airport, into the customs guy, and he's in it. Hi, why are you here? Uh-huh. What are you doing here? What are you going to do here? No. Okay. Talk him into it. Here's your stamp. You have six months. You don't let that lapse. I mean, you know, you just don't do it. Because, because you don't want to spend time in right, the Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. They don't say, oh, it's, oh, it's fine. It's fine. No big deal. It's but, cool. But then again, you don't see a bunch of people rushing across the border to get into Uganda, do you? Well, well right. So they have the luxury to do that. Anyways, keep going. Sorry. They say cities, uh, the report suggests the cities sever ties between ICE and local police departments. Uh, and oh. this report, let's just go back to here. Um, the Center for Popular Democracy and Policy Link. Two nonprofit adv- advocacy organizations have partnered with various protesters and street level organizers to find some concrete solutions. So, just so we understand, the people that are talking these points, they are the ones that are the loud mouths on the street. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, th- these th- are progressives. They're the, they're the rioters, you yeah. know, and oh, sure. they're, they're the, yeah. the social justice warrior types. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, take that with a grain of salt. These are their 15 things. Sure. And some I totally agree with. Yeah. Uh, number four, treat addicts and mentally ill people like they need help, not jail. Yeah. Okay. Now get behind that. Make policymakers face their own racism. This one is pretty simple. Law enforcement dis- disproportionately impacts people of color. It funnels them into jails and prisons at staggering rates between... Between 1980 and 2008, America's incarcerated population grew from 500,000 to 2.3 million. 60% of incarcerated Americans are now black or Latino. Uh, now, that went up because of the war on drugs, correct? I, yeah, I believe so. And, I mean, I'm, I think it's, re- I personally think it's ridiculous that people spend many years in prison for marijuana. Yeah. <gasps> what? How dare you not Enough. like that? <laughs> do you like drugs? Do you want them out on the street? Sure. Clearly you do. <laughs> One of the primary causes of is causes is policy that whether intent of the primary causes brother this is not worded right. One of the primary causes of this policy is that whether intentionally or unintentionally targets it targets blacks, Latinos through drug and search laws, for example. The report recommends that policymakers should have to evaluate the potential racial impact of any new laws they create. What? What? So so that means that if, if a majority of people that are breaking a certain law happen to be a certain color, black or Latino, then they really needed to, oh, is this a law we really need because it's going to disproportionately affect them? That is stupid. Because, and the thing is, it's a cultural thing. We can say it's racist all we want, but if in a certain area people act a certain way, mm-hmm. and as a result of them acting a certain way, certain things happen, well, then that's right. that's a cultural thing. Right. Uh, number six, actually ban racist policing. Bias in policing can be intentional or unintentional, but citizens currently have almost no recourse if they submit allegations of such conduct. Data collection, which we'll go into more below, is an important tool for establishing evidence of bias. But at the very least, cities, counties, and states should provide avenues through which private citizens can take the police to court when they believe they've been profiled. 
The term bias itself should also span a wide array of categories, race, gender, immigration status, housing status, disability, HIV status, and more. And allegations of bias should be incorporated in an officer's evaluation process. Number seven, obey the Fourth Amendment. In case you missed it, that's the one prohibiting unreasonable searches and seizures, which often lead to unnecessary arrests, typically drug. These arrests tend to be marked by severe racial disparities. In 2013, blacks and Latinos in Chicago were four times more likely to be searched during a stop than whites. To rectify this problem, the report says that police should have to alert people to their right to refuse a search, much as they are required to read arrestees their Miranda rights. Officers should have to present documentary proof of consent, whether in written, audio, or video form. This is this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> if you had if you had white kids who were part of a gang and they would run around and they had um, a certain type of, uh, of of a hoodie on, a certain type of hat on, and these same kids you see them over and over again, uh, breaking the law, stealing whatever. If you saw one driving neighborhood. White kid, dressed that way, certain type of car, like four kids in there. What would you do if you were a reasonable police officer and you were trying to serve and protect the people in your community? You would pull them over. Right. Because, they, yes, they fit a certain profile. Why is that bad? Why is that bad? It's perhaps, not fair. It's not fair. Perhaps. Perhaps. All of these communities that are, quote-unquote, being unfairly profiled should start policing their own communities. So that police don't have to do it. Wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number eight, involve the community in big decisions. Communities should have a significant say in how they are policed. Current civilian oversight commissions I agree. Yes. in more than 100 jurisdictions often feel like they lack meaningful control in this respect. Here's a thought, per the report. Every city should have an adequately funded community oversight board with significant investigatory and disciplinary powers. They should reflect their communities, especially the elements of their communities most affected by police abuse. So they should all be black is what they're saying. The majority of these communities should be democratically elected, and if at all possible, they should avoid having former or current police officers to avoid a conflict of interest. Because you don't want to actually get a relationship with the, the police. You want to separate. This is, this is segregation at its finest right here. Mm-hmm. Number nine, collect data obsessively. Data is the lifeblood of effective police reform. You can't solve a problem without knowing its scope and the disparate impact of policing practices are imminently knowable if we decide we want to know them. The report says that cities and departments should maintain a transparent and searchable database of every stop, frisk, summons, use of force, arrest, and killing they conduct. A killing. Good. Uh, The database should be regularly updated. It should be public, but implement measures to protect the privacy of those that... Do you know what that's called? (laughs) It's called... it's, it's, It's... Every single one of them has it. ICR, Incident Complaint Report. Oh, so it's already there? Yeah, every every law enforcement. Is it publicly available? Yes, it is. Is it available online? Because that's the next thing. It should be available online. 
You can get a Freedom of Information Act. You can get all all the information yeah, you want. Yeah, but that is harder. You should be able to just log, go the to a website to, and search. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know? I don't know. Well, no, I won't go on the tangent. Anyways, continue on. Ten. <laughs> there Let's ten. Body cameras. Body cameras have made their name as an almost knee-jerk reaction to every instance of police abuse over the past year. Body cameras, politicians demand, as though advocating for them, suggested any kind of long-term commitment to fighting misconduct. Body cameras are far from the solution, but they can be important and helpful, especially when the local community supports their use. Guided by clear regulations, there should be clear rules for when these cameras must be activated, the report says. If there's a case where they should have, should have been used but have not been, there should be a presumption of police misconduct. Body cameras should be earmarked by states and localities, not as part of local police budgets. Clear measures should be established to allow citizens to access this footage in addition to protecting and validating their own right to film the police. Now, my thought there is if they're going to be forced to record every interaction they have and everything they do, I think every politician should have to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. I think um, I think body cameras are great, but... Aren't they, aren't they a huge burden, though? Well, um... They have cameras on the cars, mm-hmm. and that has helped police officers dealing with uh, frivolous complaints. I don't know how many times. Oh, and it usually exonerates the cops without question. Yeah. But then, but then this is what they should do: if you are going to make a false complaint, and the body camera says, "You say he beat me up," and the body camera says, "No, you swung at him first, and he 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 uh, mobilized you and handcuffed you," then you should. Um, there should be some criminal penalties for you oh, coming keep in. People from, from keep from people from doing it. that sort of stuff. Mm, because this is a one-way street. Right. And any lunatic. I mean, they have a thing called data terrorists where you can go in to any police department and take the phone book and slap it down and say, I want every ICR of every single person in this phone book. Really? Yeah. Now they have a time period okay. that they have to comply and they can charge you with some money. But if you really wanted to to shut down, I mean, you could do stuff like that. Now, just to be clear, you have extremely intimate knowledge of these practices, correct? Yeah. Based on your previous careers? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. It's not like you're just pulling this out of the air. No. Excellent. Um, the, well, the other piece with the, the body cameras is what more does that do to the mind of an officer uh, because, I mean, if, yeah, you have certain parameters when it is used and when it turns on, mm-hmm. is that automatic? Every time you step out of the car, does it automatically do it? Or do you have to be the one? So let's say you're in an intense situation. You get called to a crazy scene. You get out because that guy is holding someone hostage and you forget to turn your camera on. Uh-huh. Are you then liable no matter what? Well, you obviously were trying to hide something. Sometimes they have it like if you turn on the lights on the car, it automatically the vehicle oh, camera the, the goes on. Line. Okay. Yeah. But but what I mean, what kind of cost are we looking at to put exactly. that on everybody? And it's not just that; it's the data practices. Yeah. Uh, where does that go? Yeah. Do you put it on a home server? If it, so, as long as you don't intend to do anything bad, you're good. <laughs> Number eleven. <laughs> Uh, don't let friends of the police prosecute the police. Cases against police officers should be tried by independent prosecutors, not the district attorneys who That's work with what them all the time. Hap- that I've been investigated. <laughs> I've been sued by a guy um, that happened a while ago, and he made another claim 
and since I knew, uh, I don't want to get into it, but that's what attorneys are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If they know this person, they have to recru- recuse themselves and uh, uh, an a district attorney or a county attorney from another county will investigate it or the sheriff's office from another but county will. that's still a friend. That's still a friend of the police. It's the same principle as... Um, so uh, re- really what, what they're advocating, from what I can tell, when I read into this, is they're advocating for people that are against the police to actually be yeah. the prosecutors. Yeah. And that's dangerous. Yeah. You, should, you need someone that is unbiased yep. which i don't know if it's possible I well it's i mean it's not number 12 oversight 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 so you've caught the police doing something wrong now what do you do even if you successfully prosecute an officer or department for wrongdoing there isn't much infrastructure in place to promote any follow-through number 13 which this actually is um something we've talked about i don't know off air for sure um no more military equipment One thing we learned from Ferguson, Missouri last year is that our police are disturbingly well-armed. They're they're through a federal program called the 1033. Local police departments in all 50 states have been requesting and receiving military-grade weapons and equipment from none other than the Pentagon since the early 90s. More than 100 colleges and universities and over 20 school districts have access to this equipment as well. Now that's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, its cumulative worth today stands at seven hundred twenty-seven million dollars. Yeah, well, yeah, we went through some of those. Yeah, uh, number fourteen: establish a use of force standard. Because there's probably use... not one, right? No, they all have them. It's part of the policies. Every <laughs> single one of them has a policy. <laughs> number fifteen, and this we t- I think we totally agree with, but this is the difference between uh, police policing and law enforcement. Number 15, train the police to be members of the community, not just armed patrolmen. Police are trained to handle some rough situations. People with guns, people with knives, car chases, foot pursuits. The Washington Post writes that new recruits usually spend about 60 hours learning how to handle a gun. It's all very tactical. But guess how much time they spend learning how to de-escalate tense situations or properly handle the mentally ill? Eight hours apiece, according to Police Executive Research Forum. Is that close to right? For your knowledge, oh, it's a lot more in Minnesota. Okay, because you need a you need a at least a two year degree. A final reminder: unless cities otherwise, unless unless cited otherwise, the facts, findings, statistics, and conclusions presented in this article were adapted from Building from the Ground Up, a toolkit for promoting justice in policing. And you that that's available here apparently, wherever here is. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this is the David Allen Show.
This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. On Facebook, at David Allen Show. Oh, the yes. Fa- the face bag. Face. Which now, Facebook, uh, the place to find the shootings live. Mm. Apparently. Who knows? Usually go to Live God. Leak. They always L- have. Live Leak? Yeah, yeah, I know. Or The Intercept, which whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought that was special. Um, another interesting P... Okay, we're off of the... Police brutality. Uh-huh. <laughs> ChristianMingle.com ordered to allow users to search for same-sex matches. I mean, if I was them, I would just, I would uh, put that search button in. They can look for it and just not assign anybody to it. <laughs> so you can search all you want. You're not going to find anything. Right. <laughs> A judge recently ruled that Christian dating site ChristianMingle.com must allow its users to search for same-sex partners. The website, which website, website, which has about 16 million users, previously only gave new users the choice between men seeking women or women seeking men. In 2013, two gay men filed class-action lawsuits against ChristianMingle.com's parent company, Spark Networks, arguing that the website wasn't providing, quote, full and equal accommodations. It's a website! Are you kidding? Uh, Well, they gotta have a vegetarian website. The New York Times doesn't give conservatives the same rights as they do the idiot liberals. (laughs) Sorry, the liars. I I think... uh... I think the websites that they have for vegans or vegetarians, and then they should be forced to have meat eaters on only. Yes. Um. <clears throat> Unruth. La, la, la. Okay. Spark Network settled the case and will now give users the choice between quote man or woman. Pay the plaintiffs $468,000 in legal fees and has promised to introduce new features to make it easier for gay and lesbian users to find each other. They need to change their name then. Yeah, they What's should. the point? Because, I mean, if you're a legitimate Christian who... Well, is... it's like saying vegansconnect.com. Yeah. yeah. And then you force, just like you said, you force the meteors on there. Yeah. You can't have the same name. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Yeah. The ruling will also apply to web, the website's other Spark networks. <laughs> CatholicMingle.com. These guys are dynamite. AdventistSinglesConnection.com and BlackSingles.com. With the exclusion of JDate, its Jewish-oriented website, which was not included in the lawsuit. Huh. Apparently Jewish people aren't gay is what they're assuming. Spark Networks is not a Christian company, but it runs ChristianMingle.com with an advisory board of Christians throughout the U.S. One of the board members, Clayton Coates, a Texas Southern Baptist pastor, told Christianity Today that he stepped down because of the settlement. As I am a Christian, husband, father of six, it hurts my Lord and it hurts my reputation and the reputation of my church to stay. What was he on there to begin with? Yeah. Stupid. 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 So you're saying it's stupid? Stupid. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. It's stupid. I was one of the, this, this, uh, another article uh, by John Negroni. 
Oh, Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Granny. Johnny the Granny. I was one of those kids who was raised by movies and television. That sounds like a scary thing, and it probably is, but that's the reality of how I learned a great deal of what I know about the world and myself in it. Of course, I was also raised by the church and my family. Even though I gleaned many of my social, moral, and spiritual values from them, I always compared it to what I observed from the movies I watched and the shows I obsessed over every summer when there was nothing else for me to do. Years later, it's clear to me that this hasn't changed much for the next generation. If anything, we can argue that they're being raised by an even larger net of online content that is more instantly gratifying and on-demand than anything my 10-year-old self could ever dream up. One thing that has changed, however, is Pixar. Yes, that's a, there's a new Pixar movie out in theaters right now, which means millions of people all over the world have already viewed it at least once, and they've come across a sequel to a staple of the millennial childhood that just as many adults of that generation fell in love with as well. Trust me, I remember how many single adults were in the theater back in 03. That movie is Finding Nemo which still hails as one of the Pixar Animation Studios' most successful films of all time, both critically and financially. And after 13 years, Pixar has followed up with, his, with this animation hit with Finding Dory. Unlike Nemo, this sequel is about the journey of one clownfish in search of his son. What? Oh, it isn't about that. My bad. This time around, supporting character Dory is in search of the family she forgot due to her short memory loss, a disability that is greatly expounded upon in relation to how Dory became, well, Dory. On the surface, finding Dory may not sound nearly as exciting or memorable as its predecessor. It's hard to top the high standard of thrills, adventure, humor, and heart that Finding Nemo set over a decade ago. But, like the last few movies Disney and Pixar have been releasing in recent years, Finding Dory has something more important to say with its bubbly animated characters. It has a specific message about mental health and families aimed at children, and it's no way subtle. We're in the midst of a new generation of animated films that prioritize message over escapism. Perhaps kicked uh. off in earnest with Toy Story 3, which slowly... which we've slowly been introduced to more substantial Disney, Pixar, and even DreamWorks films that try to tackle serious topics in more overt ways than ever before. Last year's Inside Out, another Pixar movie, was highly praised by both critics and audiences for casting a light on depression with a brazen honesty that most people didn't expect. How to Train Your Dragon 2, a DreamWorks film from 2014, addressed the heartbreaking consequences of parental loss without pulling any punches. Even compared to the countless other children's films throughout history that have used this kind of tragedy as a plot device. This year's Zootopia surprised a large number of families who found themselves watching a high-budget explanation of how racism and prejudice can come from anywhere, even well-meaning people like you and me. And with Finding Dory, kids and parents all over the world are engaging with the story about how challenging it is to be a parent of someone with a disability. It can be easy to cast cynicism over this new wave of meaningful kids' films, especially because we're allowing wonderful pieces of entertainment to play a bigger part in rearing the next generation of minds. I now firsthand know, I know firsthand how that sort of responsibility can be abused and misused very quickly. That's why it's up to parents to make sure their children don't take the wrong lessons from what they watch. And it's probably more important than ever that parents have conversations with their children about what it is they've observed and understood about any movie, Pixar or otherwise. 
Because whether we like it or not, the next generation is being raised by something. These days, it can be hard to tell what that something is and how much influence it holds over growing and developing people looking for the next world to escape into. Fortunately for us, animation studios like Pixar and Disney are working harder than ever to make kids and adults think about what they absorb from their screens. We don't have to agree with every message we take from this world of face at face value, but it's good to know that when we do interact with our culture's entertainment, we have a lot of interesting and challenging issues to consider, even while watching a silly animated film about a fish who constantly reminds herself to just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Yeah, he made some statement about who's going to raise the children or our parents. It's us. Yeah. It's our job. Yeah. Why is that such a strange notion? Because it's hard. Okay, that works. Yeah. It is hard. It's easier not to. It's easier yeah. to push them aside. And let them watch TV. Yeah, yeah, it's easier when you're at dinner to force them to another table or force them out the room so yeah. we don't have to deal with them as kids. Yeah. You know, because they're irritating. Yeah. You know, we're together as adults and the kids have no place at our table. Yeah. That is the last thing we need. It's the last thing we should, we should be doing is pushing our children away from us as adults. Where in the world are they going to learn to interact with adults if not from us? Or where are they going to learn their values? Or uh... yeah, They're going to learn them from Kanye West and Kim mm. Kardashian and Taylor Swift and Rihanna and Beyonce and Jay-Z and oh, President Obama and Hillary Clinton, James Comey. They're going to learn Bieber. from these hacks yeah. of morality. Here, here. A new study on children raised by same-sex couples further confirms the findings of previous authoritative studies. The healthiest environment for a child is a home with a mother and a father. Wow. How strange. So, so then you're saying God knew what he was doing? Okay, sorry. There's one more thing we need to go over before we wrap up. Since you said that. Yes. Since you brought up God. I mean, <gasps> how absurd to even think that there's a God. Well, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Hold on. Or not. Nope. Nope. Or not. Nope. Nope. Or not. Nope. Yep. That people have pre-existing notions that defy the evidence of reality but they, that they hold on to them so dearly and one of them is that somehow we should teach kids both ideas that the earth is 6,000 years old and that it's 4.55 billion years old which is what it is Lawrence Krauss if yeah, you think about hack. that somehow saying that well anything goes you know we shouldn't offend religious beliefs by requiring kids to know to understand reality. That's child abuse. What? And if you think about it... Is it yep. not child abuse the other way? Not, not, not according to this hack. He, um, you know that Epstein character? He had that little island that he would... Uh, that uh, He's a billionaire, owns an island. This is a sex offender now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Clinton go out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is this guy here uh, would uh, visit out there as well. Ooh, 
Yeah, they have pictures of him on the on the boat or the plane. Speaking of child here, abuse. This guy, this guy is um, completely. Uh, When he gets into a debate against William Lane Craig or anybody else who's um, uh, a Christian apolog- apologist, gets his clock cleaned every single time. <laughs> he's got a PhD in astrophysics, so he's very smart or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but or whatever. He, he is he is one of those new atheists, the ones who, uh, the Richard Dawkins type. You can't take this guy seriously. Well, but it's being propagated yeah, out there the, on the allowing, web. But he's just saying stuff that people who well, that, that, makes that, them feel that good. You hear. bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no there. impartiality or in any way, shape, or form. No. On the other side of that, Noah's Ark opened in Kentucky. Really? I want to go. Hello. 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 People are going to come from all over the world. I believe this is going to be one of the greatest Christian outreaches of this era of history. It's going to forever change Williamstown. And we're going to see 2 million people, I believe, close to 2 million in the first year, maybe more. It is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Just the, the magnitude, the scope, the size of it. Uh, it is incredible. I think it's pretty fascinating and to think that this kind of thing could happen uh, that many years ago without the technologies that we have today. It's an incredible, incredible thing to see. It is a two-scale replica of Noah's Ark built. Um, let's see. There's specs on here, I believe. The amount of... It, it's. I think it's the largest uh, timber structure in the world. Hmm. It's gorgeous. It looks phenomenal. Hmm. And I think it opened this week. I think. Oh. Wow. Yeah. It opened today, July seventh. Huh. Today was was opening day. Um. Of course, a protest was planned by the tri-state free thinkers because, um, free thinkers have a closed mind. I mean, <clears throat> they're open mind. Sorry, they're open to everything except. I don't get why they care. Uh, they they were going to make a stand for science, a stand for science. I don't know why equal they care. rights and the separation of church and state. Who gives? Mm, yeah, talk about a joke. I want to go. I think it'd be a blast to see it. It's just cool, 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 cool. Tennessee, cool. Kentucky, Kentucky, something Kentucky. Something, Yeehaw. something Kentucky. Yeehaw. Which means Kentucky. They're just backwoods rednecks. They yeah. hate. They hate. As a count of Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. This is the David Allen Show. Thanks for sticking along with this crazy ride today. Uh, it's all kinds of crap going on in the world. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, gun ownership is falling. The percent of American households owning guns is at a near 40-year low. In the latest CBS News poll released this month. Yeah. Um, that makes sense, though. This was in June. According to the survey, which was conducted among 1,001 Americans in the aftermath of the Orlando nightclub shooting, 36% of U.S. adults 
either own a firearm personally or live with someone who does. That's the lowest rate of gun ownership in the CBS poll going back to 1978. It's down 17 points from the highest record, highest recorded rate in 1994 and near 10 percentage points from 12. So here you go. You have a crazy, outrageous terrorist shooting attack on U.S. soil. And every politician that you can see or dream about is now jumping on the wagon. Holy crap, we have too many guns. We gotta stop guns. Guns are bad, guns are bad. CBS then picks up the phone. Bring, bring, bring. Hello, hello. Um, yeah, do you have any guns in your house? Nope, nope, not me. No, 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 we don't have guns here. Why would they answer? Why would they tell this survey? I, I, I still think, I mean, if, if that's what it takes to get rid of guns, is to, to make them illegal. I think they should uh, uh, make murder illegal and rape illegal. You know, that's a great, great idea. Because mm-hmm. then it'll go away. All they have to do is just make a law that says you can't do this anymore and nobody will get murdered. It's... And I'm spent. <laughs> this is the David Allen Show. Um, don't forget to... Uh... Watch your professional sports. Uh, remember, the Olympics Why? are coming up. Um, stay home so you don't get Zika. <clears throat> there you go. Because apparently, um, the lack of mosquitoes in the upper Midwest is because, possibly, I wonder if it's because we have, uh, if the states are doing a good job controlling mosquitoes because of v- Zika. Yeah, up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably not. No. Nope. No. 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 Because you know, there's also uh, 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 some research going on right now that is um, showing signs that microcephaly, this brain yep. shrinking thing that is being blamed on Zika, yep. um, quite possibly is due to pesticides being sprayed on our crops. Mm. But let's blame Zika because Dr. Fauci, who is like the scientist doctor guy for the CDC I think and he's always on CNN um, like propagating all these Ebola and Zika scare he's a scientist uh, probably mm-hmm. so is he the one that said that hydration uh, that uh, water because do- he's a scientist right it could be it could be and um, we need to trust our scientists because yeah, they make yeah. smart they do and decisions and and it doesn't matter that he is the guy that owns patents on he's a scientist yeah but it doesn't matter that he owns patents no he's a scientist he owns vaccine patents so he actually makes money when people buy vaccines no 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 um he's a scientist this he gets paid interested Um, in truth never mind he's on tv so it's true it's true because he's a scientist truth everybody don't drink water it doesn't help you you go to the desert and forget about it I did find a cactus. Yep. If, you, if you need to do something, drink beer. Yeah. Or or uh, snake blood. Oh. Lizard blood. That could work. Okay. Or, as or, long as or, it's not water. Why don't you just chew on some sand? That'll work. Not water. Thank you. DavidAllenShow.com. On Facebook at David Allen Show. Uh, if you want to contact us via the email, Sphere. Um, we do not manage our own secret server. Um, so if you do send classified documents, um, it's up to Google to make sure it's okay. So just just so it's out there, I take no responsibility. Uh, I am I have no intent 
of committing a crime. Shut up, slave. There you have it. <laughs> Sayonara. Have a great night. Enjoy the summer. See yeah. you next week. Yep. Oh, hang on. Hold on. This Justin, breaking news for real. Breaking news. Two Dallas police officers reportedly shot during a protest right now. This just across the wire. Really? Killed? Um They shot <clears throat> Sorry, we're doing a little a little on the spot, on the spot research right here. Uh, well, well, it's not on top of the channels that I normally find the actual news at, so it must not be important. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important to their family. And don't forget, everybody, if your name is Hillary Clinton, do whatever you want. You're fine. <laughs> Have a good night. Yeah. Good night, slave. <laughs>